love Michigan sports. Red Wings, Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Michigan, Michigan State, and the list goes on. And you love beer. Love beer. Who doesn't? What if we mixed the two together? of my sports we'll talk everything michigan sports like only we do and then we'll down our fair share of beer from a local brewery grading the beer throughout the episode so pop a cold one on your end and we'll get busy on ours this is the state of my sports that's right, this is State of My Sports, and this is episode 187, recording live on January 3rd, 2023. We will discuss the Detroit Lions, uh, butt whooping that they put on the Bears, keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, they will have an opportunity to play spoiler to the Packers or have a winner-take-all Sunday night football game. Got flex in the Sunday night football, so that's kind of cool. Um, we Unfortunately, we have to discuss the terrible ending to 2022 and the Michigan's second straight semifinal loss. Uh, we'll put a bow on their football season uh, and discuss the already rumor mill, basically, with, with Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL like like normal. It's just kind of the new thing that we do here. Uh, we will make our picks against the spread, and if you're joining us live. Oh, and we'll rate and review a craft beer from the state of Michigan. If you're joining us live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Twitch, let us know what you're sipping on and your thoughts on all of our topics. I don't know why I slip up on that every single time. Uh, but I do. I am Sam Walthart. With Change me today, up. we got, I really should. It would make more sense, right? Ryan Walthart. Hello. And John Dornboss. You guys are back. 2023. You guys weren't here last week, right? Or were you? I can never remember who was here. I don't think I was. No, neither one of you guys were. You guys missed the preview, John. I was off last you week. You were yeah. off last week. Um, it was just me and Micah that did the, the Michigan preview. I was um, right there with you in spirit. Yeah. I didn't even watch. No? Mm-mm. Man, that's the first time, first episode <laughs> you missed in a long time. Yeah, really long time. Uh, <laughs> I heard it was a doozy. Yeah, how was you guys' uh, Christmas and New Year's not related to sports? Um, my New Year's was a little bit cut short, I would say, because uh, some of my really, really good friends, like, you know, even best friends, you, could, you would say, just kind of left early. Just weren't around to hang out or enjoy, uh, enjoy the night, so that was a, kind of a bummer. What about you, Sam? You weren't supposed to throw me under the bus so early. I fell asleep. <coughs> oh, okay. Trying to get Jordan to sleep. And then I woke up and was like, no, I'm not going back over there. <laughs> Something put you in that kind of a mood. Huh? It was a little bit. And yeah, it was just kind of, it was a decent time for me to just not try to wake myself back up to say the least. Fair enough. Fair enough. John, how was yours? Are you going to throw anybody under the bus? Under the bus? Yeah. Just calling anybody out right now. Oh, I'm just no. speaking like real, Ryan man. Just <laughs> no, it was, was low-key. Just watched the game, obviously, the game. We'll get to it later. Yeah. Um, and then didn't stay out very late. I think it was in bed by 1 o'clock. Yeah. Not in the What'd you do? Whole, like, where'd you go? Went with the girlfriend to a friend's house. Okay. Group of her friends. Um, I think Are they like, big sports fans or no? Not at all. No? No. So, like, watching the Ohio State-Georgia game, it wasn't on in the background. They were just watching, like, the New Year's Eve. Yeah. Ball drop. Coverage, I haven't yeah, watched the ball drop in I don't know how long. Was it like Miley Cyrus? And oh, was it really? Dolly Parton was on there. Oh I was like, ah, I'm not paying attention to that either. She's still so, alive, Dolly wait. Parton? Oh, yeah. Is she really? Wow. 
I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought she would have been long gone by now. How old is she? Oh, she's got to be 70, 75. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Been around a while, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, what about Christmas? We didn't we didn't get either of you guys' Christmases on the podcast. Do you guys have a good Christmas? Low-key. Yeah. I had the flu. <laughs> That's uh, always fun. Avoided family and didn't do anything. Like, real low-key. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't eat for, like, two days. Dang. Um Stomach wasn't feeling it. But That's such a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So just took an extra day off from work following that holiday. Yeah. So I wasn't really gun ho into going out and like getting wild during the Michigan game or even post game or, you know, too late. But when they come off a, a loss, you can't keep the celebration going much longer, in my yep. opinion. No, I agree. Um, And we're just all getting older. You know, yeah. let's face it. <laughs> I just don't stay out that late anymore. <laughs> yeah. The, the way that the weekend went or like New Year's kind of when the Michigan lost – and we'll get into that. But like I was just so down. Like I was I thought for sure the Lions were gonna let us down too. And it was like it felt like everything that we were just working up to was just was all gonna go away all at once. Um to start twenty twenty three, but thankfully that didn't happen. Um we'll get into the Lions game here soon. There's so much to look forward to and then the yeah, it just started it was just off like, like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was just kind of like Yeah. That really that really hurt hurt everything, but anyways, um, let's just talk about what we're drinking tonight. We are drinking uh, from Clo- uh, Storm Cloud Brewing Company, which is in I saw this earlier Frankfurt, Michigan. I think I saw. Does anybody know Frankfurt, Michigan? Um, we're drinking their Rainmaker Ale. Uh, it is five point nine percent alcohol by volume. This is their uh, the beer that started it all, their flagship pale ale, was handcrafted over years of homebrew basement experiments. Rainmaker is well-balanced, medium-bodied, easy-drinking ale. Uh, it says, take the day off, there's a 100% chance of rain. It's their Belgian-inspired Michigan-made is what they what did they say. So Frankfurt looks like, based on the can, that it's uh, kind of like the, the pinky to ring finger side of Michigan. Is that is that fair to say? Frankfurt's cool. Is it so? It's it's up north, right? Well, it depends on where you say up north starts. <laughs> we don't want to go through that again, but it is up north. Yeah, and it's like right around this area, right? Am yeah, kind of right as on, you're on like the screen? making your way towards way Traverse City from like the lake shore, so like isn't here. it? Kind I, of like up that no. way. Yeah, I yeah, kind of yeah. thought it was past Traverse City and up closer between that and Petoskey. I, I get those areas mixed up so much though. So it could be, I don't know. It could be either one of those. Yeah. So this is the first time I, I remember Ryan, you did one of their beers. It was willed away or something like that. Yeah. I remember that one. It was a yeah, long, long time ago. I thought that we, this would be the first time we've done it. Uh, cause we actually weren't even following them on the, on the Instagram, which blew my mind. Cause I thought I found all of them, all of them, but we did drink two of their beers at one point. One was willed away. Maybe we drank that one twice. I don't know. Or, when we were all drinking different I, ones. I actually think for some reason we got a, didn't we get like a sticker from them or something? Didn't they give us uh, some that merch? Does, no, that was Awesome Brothers that sent us beer. Yeah, and, from Alpina. And, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. So, um, but yeah, this is our first time doing them, uh, doing one of their beers since 2020. I, I noticed at least since the tagging stopped there or whatever started. But um, we'll just get right into the good stuff here. What? what, what, what hold on. What were you guys' first thoughts on the sips here? First couple sips. Is it? Decent. I'm surprised that it's five point nine percent alcohol. That's I, a little I higher think than the I description that you read was pretty much perfect. Yeah. It's like, yeah, medium bodied, really, really easy drinking, smooth. Nice. Yeah. Cool. It's pretty good so far. Drinking craft beer 
having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. You're listening to State of My Sports. So we are going to start on the positive side of our football teams. The Detroit Lions, after a poor performance against the Panthers, uh, they finished off their home schedule with an outstanding performance to beat the Bears 41-10. to After the Bears outscored the Lions 10-7 to in the first quarter, the Lions responded with a 17-0 second quarter, 14-0 third quarter, and a 3-0 fourth quarter to end the game uh, scoring 34 unanswered points. Uh, the Lions put together scoring drives in six of seven possessions, five TDs in the middle of those, uh, in the middle quarters, and took complete control of the game. I want to start with the offense here. Goff was, was just about flawless, going 21 to 29 for 255 yards and three touchdowns, uh, which included, included completions to 10 different receivers. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown led the way with four catches, 62 yards. Chark, two catches for 56. Raymond, three for 40. Uh, with the three passing touchdowns going to one to Swift and two to Brock Wright. Uh, running game seemed to get bounced back pretty well. The, the very important time uh, to get this thing going. Uh, they, Jamal Williams looked fresh again uh, with 144 yards on 22 carries for a 6.5 average and a touchdown. Swift had 78 yards on the ground in 11 on 11 carries for a 7.1 average and a rushing touchdown to go with his receiving touchdown and an additional 39 yards um, on four catches. Uh, Jameson Williams also had a 40-yard run uh, as a nice little wrinkle, kind of an end around, which which was really, really cool. Um, look, I, I don't think this game's worth talking about a ton. I want to get into the defense here in a bit, but offensive side, they continue to take care of the football. They continue to... Um, spread the ball around to multiple players. It just seems like the revolving door. Like, how many times are we saying, you know, he's throwing to eight different receivers, ten different receivers? It seems like it's so constant that Goff is spreading this ball around. Everybody's getting involved that I think it's really hard for a defense to plan against the Detroit Lions. Obviously, you have Amon Ross St. Brown that you have to worry about, but when you're hitting so many different players, that's the kind of thing that we want to see, I guess, it, because not everybody has that luxury of having multiple guys that can catch and multiple threats, if you will. Obviously, they're not the guys that are putting up 200 yards, like just Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, like those, those type of guys. But what you have is a lot of guys that just do their job, and they have well-designed plays that it gets everybody involved. How important is that when, you, when you're putting together an offensive game plan for this Lions here moving forward, when you know that you just have all these guys that you can get involved in and really make everybody make the other team have to worry about? Like, What are you guys' thoughts on, on the way that this ball is getting spread around? Is that just golf or, or Ben Johnson? Well, I heard a stat that Goff has 29 touchdown passes this year. Is that really the case? So I do have his, his actual season, stats here. I do have numbers. that. Yeah, so season numbers here uh, this year. He's got, so in 16 games, 359 completions, which is uh, just under 65%. He's got over, over 4,200 yards, 29 touchdowns to seven interceptions. 4,200 yards. Yeah. And I did see a stat. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to give Jared yeah. Goff the credit there. I'm going to yeah. give him the credit. He's spreading that, like you said, spreading the ball around. But guys are making. He's given. He's got opportunities to to capitalize in the end zone. Twenty nine yep. touchdowns quietly, in my opinion, because yeah, he had some big games, but it seemed like oh, when he would throw for three hundred or plus yards, he's only getting like one touchdown. Twenty mm-hmm. nine is a lot more than I maybe thought he could have got, especially after trading T.J. Hawkinson. Right. So. Kudos to Brock Wright stepping up. Brock Wright, Zielstra. We're you know we're uh, we're taking advantage Mitchell. of that same Mitchell. position yep. position without having to fork over a you know franchise uh, 
contract. No, you're right. Yeah. Tied in by committee. Yeah, yeah. To Hawkinson. But these guys can do the job. I mean, you look at Brock Wright and his game saving, you know, touchdown a couple of weeks ago. Yep. He has some legitimate speed. Shane Zelstra is is a legitimate wide receiver playing tight end. Yep. And then you've got James Mitchell, the young kid who, who's jumping in and, you know, doing his part. So at, at no point can you just take these guys for granted on the field. If they're open and you feed them the ball, they're going to get the extra yards. Look, Hawkinson is a, t- is a Pro Bowl tight end for a reason. He's Absolutely. very good. He's Absolutely. very good. But the way that this offense runs is you don't need – you don't um, – Need might be the wrong word because everybody wants something like that, but it's not that important. And it's they're scheming them. You open. don't have to. You don't have to worry about making them happy, giving them five targets just to make them happy. They all have their place in this game. And I heard a stat, and Ryan, I don't know if this is a stat that you were talking about. Off this is air. one of them. Yeah, it was a tight end one. Yeah, Lions are second in the league in touch to touchdowns from tight ends. That's after trading away to Hawkinson. Yeah, you include Hawkinson's early on in the year. I don't remember exactly how oh, many he had. I think it was like since. five or six. <laughs> but like, it just seems to be like that is what they're making work. Like the tight second, and it's only behind the Chiefs because of Travis Kelsey, which is just that's that number blew my mind when I heard that. And yeah. I don't remember the exact number, but like, but that's it's by committee. Second in tight end touchdowns is is pretty impressive. I, I think I think um, kind of mixing both of those with Jared Goff being so impressive with the way he's one protected the ball. So that that's like key number one. Don't turn it over. Protect the ball. Um, but two, I think the play calls and the the design of this offense requires playmakers, and we finally have people healthy. We're looking at you know like. We've been adding, sprinkling in Jamison Williams over the last few weeks. We're talking about the second wide or maybe third wide receiver taken in the draft last year, arguably a number one, the best one, just, you know, he, he was injured. So we're getting a guy with electric speed playmaking ability coming back into this offense, and we weren't even relying on him. That's just the extra talent that we're adding. We're four or five wide receivers deep before he even came on board. Yeah. With the tight end by committee, with – multiple playmakers in the backfield, yep. you know, with potentially with, with, with Swift getting uh, healthy recently. So early on in the year, or we saw this offense work. Then you saw the lull where we didn't, we were one of the worst offenses in football for a little while there, but you can coincide that with Swift getting injured with Amon Ross St. Brown being out for concussion protocol a couple yep. weeks with, uh, or, or dealing with the ankle. Maybe that was what it yeah, was. Yeah. I don't ankle remember something. exactly. Yeah. Something like that. But the playmakers were not on the field. DJ Chark was out four games or something. Yeah. So w- right now, they're all healthy at the perfect time. Yep. And I think what that does is it also allows them to stay healthy because you're, you're, limiting the massive workload for each one of those guys they're all on the field like 33 percent of the snaps yeah and you're still getting khalif raymond with three catches for four yards so it's like you have to worry about him too it like if it's he's just, our, it's if, awesome if he's our fifth sixth seventh option that's better than any other team's fifth option yep Khalif raymond is a bona fide nfl player he comes up with big catches he's Obviously a small target, maybe limited to what yeah. you can overall do with him on a big play like that. But if you design something, he's going to take advantage. He can, when he, he gets the ball, he moves right away. He yeah. does up field so fast. He reminds yeah, me quick. a little bit of, of the Edelman type player that's like, as soon as he gets the ball, he just kind of falls forward. You know what I mean? Like he's not, I don't know, like, because he seems to always be falling. Like he's never just like, catch it and go, it feels yeah, like. he takes 16 steps to <laughs> yeah, move that. But yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's, he's fun to watch. It's just crazy how... Now, there there might be an injury, but like it seems like Goff's safety blanket last year was was Josh Reynolds, right? And that's you you don't even see him anymore. Like he had one catch, I think one catch for five yards. He shows up when you he need shows him. up when you need him, 
but we don't need them. Well, and that's what's what's really cool is what everybody developing to finding their their role, and everybody can do different roles too. Because I think Cleve Raymond can kind of play that Amon Ross St. Brown role, and they kind of work well together as well. That you're not, you can't just double team Amon Ross St. Brown because you're going to leave Cleve Raymond wide open. And they're the design plays and Goff's making the right decisions. I'm sorry, I cut you off. There. Well, I think I think that is again the design of the offense is so critical here because. Jared Goff's strengths are playing off of the play action. He's one of the best play action quarterbacks in football since he came into the league. Mm -hmm. That's when he's at his best. The Lions are one of the best teams in football at play action this year. They use it They use it to their advantage. The other thing they do really well and what Goff is great at is leading his wide receivers so they can catch on the run and gain those extra yards. And if you look around the league at some really, really good quarterbacks, not all of them have that ability. You'll see a lot of wide receivers and tight ends falling down as they're catching the ball because they're – you know, throwing it a, you know, a little high, a little, a little there to, to protect. But Jared Goff's specialty is to lead his receivers over the shoulder on the run so that they can keep continuing to get those extra yards. But simplify the game, right? Yep. Simplify it, gain that separation early on. And that was that's what we've been arguing over for like the last, uh, definitely last year, but even before that with Matthew Stafford, is that these wide receivers and playmakers were all – uh, contested catch yes. guys. Yep. Nobody could ever get separation. But you look at this group, they're all separation guys. Yeah. Shark might be the only contested catch one that you could argue, but even he's the speedster You know, back in his heyday when he would beat people down the field, and it was still getting that separation through his speed. Yeah. Yep. It's a completely different design. They've, they've created this offense a very specific way, and the plays mimic uh, to their – they play to their strengths. Yes, I agree. And – I like I love what Jared Goff has done. I think his numbers are incredible. I think he's perfect for what this offense is doing. But then I also like look at it and be like, what if we had a real high end quarterback with this offense? And I don't want to go down that path right now. Well, but no, but it's okay. It's okay to do that because what makes Jared Goff a real quarter? He is a real established quarterback. He is yeah. when he's given time to throw and when his throws are on time. When he's not sitting back there and. You know, be, have being relied on to be the playmaker himself. So again, that goes back to scheme. You you get one of the best offensive lines of football in front of you, protect him as much as possible, and then you can sprinkle in some really talented guys who get separation, throw on the run, and and I mean, watch out, their offense is good. Yeah, yeah he did get he did get sacked twice on on Sunday, but it's not a concern. Like this offensive line does an unbelievable job protecting him. And you can see that confidence when he's stepping up into the pocket, just like he just, his confidence is sky high right now. And it is incredible. Like I love what this team, what this offense is doing. It is really special. He's leading the league in completion since his last interception, right? Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you guys know how many games it's been since his last interception? I forget if it was like 200 and, Four, I, yeah. 49 completions. So I don't know the completion, the completions, but he hasn't thrown a pick since. It was oh, Green Bay. Sorry, where'd it go? I just. Oh yeah, right here. Yeah, Green Bay was his last interception. And I think. And that was Week Nine. I think he had a streak before that Green Bay game too. I think all most so he, of his interceptions were yeah, early. He didn't throw a, a pick against Miami the the game before, but he threw two against Dallas. Oh okay. So that was kind of right there. Um, and he did have a streak, actually, of throwing one. So one in the first game, zero in the second, one, 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 two, zero, one, and hasn't thrown one since, knock on wood. 
because we got a big game coming up with with that coming up. But well, yeah, he's going to face a, a a stellar defense that intercepts you know, the ball on, on on the road as well. Yeah, you know, it's always a little tougher. But no, he's yeah, just not turn the ball over, and that's all you can ask for out of a quarterback in Detroit. What do they What do they have? Like seventeen interceptions, Packers. I'm, I know I'm jumping ahead, but uh, like, that's just what oh, they do. Oh, that's how many they, they have yeah, this year? It's a oh, critical point in that game. Yeah. Well, I think Kirk Cousins probably gave him, what, three, and the two gave him three <laughs> after his head injury. So he, was just, he, he didn't know what color jerseys they were shots. wearing after that one. Um, but, no, it, well, I do want to get into that game. But before we turn it over to the preview and that, I did want to talk about the, the defense. I mean, the, the offense was basically flawless. But outside – or, sorry, the defense was, was basically flawless um, outside of a couple big plays from Justin Fields. Uh, he, he ran – or that – sorry. Man, <laughs> the defense had seven sacks. I'm going to move on to, to that line. Seven sacks. Seven sacks against Justin Fields. Outside of a couple big runs that he had, um, they, they were absolutely great. They forced two turnovers and only allowed Fields to throw for 75 yards on seven completions on 21 attempts. Like that, seven completions on 21 attempts in a football game. And he played the whole football game. And I'm sorry, they were playing from behind. That was just... that. In, Look, I'm not going to get all hot and bothered about how good this team looked against the Bad Bears. I get all of those things. But you don't see these type of numbers against, like, in the NFL period. What they did, seven sacks, and, and yeah, Fields finished with 132 yards on the ground, but 91 of those were just on those two plays. So it was just a really nice response by the defense in general after getting manhandled by the Panthers. They they played really good. Um, outside of Anzalone's seven uh, total tackles, the, the defense was led by the young players once again, and that continues to be a theme here. Uh, Pascal had four tackles, two sacks. Yeah, boy. Rodriguez, four tackles. Uh, James Houston, <laughs> three more sacks and a forced fumble. Dude, that one that he had, that forced fumble, I lit- I thought he was going to – I don't want to be un- insensitive here with what's going on with what the Bills guy, but I thought he was going to murder Justin Fields. Like, I was, I put my hands up. I was like, yeah. this is not going to end well. And he – dude, that guy is fast. That The one that he kind of chased him down, which I, the forced fumble wasn't a sack, was it? I don't think. I think he was – Yeah, it was a sack it fumble. It did count as a sack fumble? Yeah. Okay. But the other one that he had where he was kind of – and I think it was actually on, on – First or second down. So that's another thing that we're starting to see with him with he's playing multiple downs instead of just third down go after the quarterback. He kind of was playing that Aiden Hutchinson role where he kind of backed off and was just kind of spying a little bit, um, taking away like the, I don't know, the screen, if you will. And he was just kind of baiting Justin Fields. And as soon as Justin Fields like maybe took his eye off him, just went right to him. That, you know what I'm talking about? I, I thought you were talking about the one where he literally tackled the tackle. <laughs> well, that was, yeah, I guess. And all, the quarterback. All three and then them. injured the left guard. <laughs> that's a great point. I didn't even, <laughs> yeah, all three of his sacks were, were awesome. And that's he's now leading all rookies in sacks. He's lead, he's ahead of Aiden Hutchinson. He is. In sacks, and he's only played, what, six games? Eight sacks, six Eight games. sacks in six games. It's impressive. And I, look. It might just be a flash in a pan, but it looks legit the way he's doing it. He's he's doing it multiple ways. He's bendy. He's bull rushing guys. He's a like I think right. he, he's an older rookie, I guess, if you will. I think he's twenty four. But still, it's like what he's doing is is at a level that you just wonder why he didn't start the season in Detroit without the practice squad. Well, it sounded like the defensive line, like in practice, were root, you know rooting for this guy and raving about him, right? Yeah. When are we going to call him up? When are we going to call him up? And then, yeah. boom, it's like 
we had this secret weapon card in our in, in our in our, in right? our hand. And we wanted to see what we could do. It was almost like a trade trade deadline acquisition acu- acquisition acquisition acquisition. Nice. Um, without just just calling them up, it was so cool. So first overall pick, Trayvon Walker. This yeah. is the stat that I was talking about. Trayvon Walker. How many sacks does he have this year? Do you know? I think three. Three and a half. Okay. Okay. Three and a half sacks. Kayvon Thibodeau. How many sacks does He's he have? He's up to six, right? Nope. He has four sacks. Whoa! I thought he had. A, I thought, okay. Nope. So, and a snow angel. I wrote down that, my my answer, not yours. That means James Houston has more <laughs> sacks than the number one pick and number five pick combined in this year's draft, and he's a sixth round pick. That is, and he's played six games. I am telling you what. It's incredible that it's not talked about like on a national level. That's a great point. Brock Purdy is Mister Irrelevant, right? Yeah, and he plays for a much better organization in San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, but this is insane. It's it's crazy. It's incredible. You don't hear of rookies having years like this. Uh, well, and to your point, what you were saying earlier, Sam, I think the way he's doing it too. Like right away, it was the bend. It was that. It was that like little hop step bend around the edge, and it was like, man, that was a sweet move. That was really cool. And a guy that with his size, yeah, maybe he can pull that off here and there. And then he does it with being smart, playing the run, and then just diving in with his speed, his athleticism. And then he bull rushes the tackle and literally takes out three people. Yeah. That that one was so impressive. Strength. I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he's right. got the combo, right? He's got it all. He really does. And it's fun to see. And and then you had Pascal getting two sacks. So that's a, two more for a rookie. You know what? So you had, Every game Pascal's played, he makes a big difference. He does. He gets upfield. He, yep. he pressures the quarterback and he makes big plays. And he's good in the run game. He I, is. I think. Yeah. And um, he can play inside and outside. They they have such a unique game right now where Aiden Hutchinson, their ends can play in the middle during the the rush phase, and then they can bring in James Houston and some of the other speed rushers on the outside whenever you need. And then at that point, if they start doing their little stunts, that means your inside guy who normally plays outside will do his outside stunt. Yeah. So They're we got – Faceted. How, how many does Aiden have? Do you know? Is it seven? He has seven and a half. Seven and a half? Sorry, I'm just doing quick math here. Second in all rookies. Yeah. So, if you, you count, so you <laughs> have you have Aiden Hutchinson rookie seven and a half. Uh, James Houston eight, another yep. rookie. Uh, Pascal, another rookie. He He's has, got two. He got his first two this week. And Malcolm Rodriguez with one. I don't know if Kirby Joseph has one or not. I don't. Th- I think he did get one, but I get him and Jerry Jacobs confused a lot. But just out of those four players, how, how many is that? For rookies, like that's just, I don't know, I'm bad math, bad at simple math here. Was it 11? Uh, so 11 plus seven and a half. Oh, okay, I'm trying to read that. So other. 18 and a half. Did I do that right? Makes sense. 18 and a half sacks for the, from the rookies. And maybe, maybe, who, who did might, I say? It might match the uh, Bears. Who did I say? Total season. The other one? Kirby Joseph. Kirby Joseph. I want to see if he does. I feel like he did have a sack and an interception in the game. I, I think he did have a sack at one point. But he does not, because I get him and Ju- I get him and Jacobs confused. Huh. But he's got three interceptions, and then you got Aiden Hutchinson with three interceptions. Do you think Aiden Hutchinson should get rookie defensive rookie of the year over Sauce Gardner? Because everybody's saying Gardner will will get it, which is kind of like okay. I, I don't I don't want to say that he doesn't deserve it, but I am curious because what Aiden Hutchinson's doing is very impressive for a rookie. He's not dominating football games at like left and right, but he's putting up really good numbers. 
Yeah, those interceptions from a defensive lineman are clutch in the stat book. You know, you can be a you can be a corner or safety and rack up a few, and it's expected because you're getting the ball thrown to you. Yep. So um, on Sunday he had four tackles, a half sack, fumble recovery, and his third interception of the season. And did a great job of containing Justin Fields on a few of those plays early on, early on before he was hurt. Yeah, I agree. Um, do you what? Sorry, do you think he should get defense rookie of the year? Absolutely. I think so too. Absolutely. Especially no. the way the Jets have like kind of crumbled towards the end of the season. Detroit's kind of been relevant the ex- the entire time. Yeah, um, I don't like giving it to somebody that just is kind of ignored by their teams. You know what I mean? Like they're not throwing at him, so that's supposed to like pump him up and like make him look even better. Look, don't get me wrong. I know he's an extremely good cor- cornerback oh, yeah, for a rookie. I'm not. I'm not gonna throw shade at him in any way, shape, or form. But like, I want to see production, and I think. Aiden Hutchinson has more interceptions than Sauce Gardner. <laughs> so like, no, I think Sauce has a few. Well, like, yeah, Gar- yeah, Gardner plays for the Jets and for Robert Sala, defensive-minded coach. I think where he gets a little benefit of the doubt there, where Aiden Hutchinson's playing for a historically bad franchise, um, you know, in the Detroit Lions. So I just he's got two interceptions. Does he? I would. Yeah, I'm. I I don't know. Again. To have more interceptions, that's incredible too. I I don't. Th- <laughs> I just that's don't know just how. A hard one. I know it's yeah. like a stat thing. How much and, and, impact is yeah. there on the game? Well, I know Aiden's got a lot of impact on uh, you know the run game, early downs, um, and then being able to be that three down kind of lineman. You know that impacts the interior of the line, so all those guys can rest up a little bit more because he is an every down kind of guy. And then again, what I'm saying is like he goes from the outside guy early on to a lot of times their speed package. He moves to the inside, and then they yeah. run all those stunts, and it's difficult for the the offensive line. He might not get the the the, uh, the sack stat. on that, yeah, yeah. But he made the impact, and yep. we saw that with with James Houston. He got a couple of those sacks as Hutchinson's was running to the outside and causing that initial movement of fields yep. into the sack, especially the one that he did bull rush. That that one in particular, yes. I remember Hutchinson was like, all right, if if uh, Houston didn't knock him down with that guy's butt, and well, that, Hutchinson would have been there very, very. Quick. And that happens. That's happened all year with Kaminsky too. Kaminsky, Kaminsky is another, had another one of those sack guys. today or yeah. on Sunday. Those guys have big impact on just the way the pocket moves and forces the quarterbacks to react, and then getting those you know like bad throws or whatever to to force you know three and outs. There's a lot of impact that's just hard to measure against. Uh, so defensive rookie there, he's definitely in the top two. Yeah, I, I agree. It's kind of like. In the NBA, when they give defensive player of the year to, like, a guard. <laughs> you know, like Gary Payton, yeah. the glove, that was his ammo. There, were, He didn't play offensive basketball. He was a defender. He was a great point guard, don't get me wrong, up there in the top ten. But defensively, arguably one of the best players to, to man up on, on another team's guard. That's why I don't like seeing the safety or the corner, sorry, somebody in the secondary get this award. Yeah. Give it to a guy that's had muscle, had to grow, had to utilize his size and, like, catch up to the speed of the game because, let's yeah. face it, Aiden got off to a little bit of a rough start, right, at the beginning of the year. His timing mm-hmm. looked off. He looked like he was a little bit lost out there. He's picked up on the flow of the game. Yeah. And absolutely – I mean, and it's going to be tough because he's got Houston there, also a rookie, yeah. <laughs> sharing the same stat line as him. Yeah, yeah getting more of stats. So does, does that take you know, away votes from Aiden Hutchinson uh, versus – you know, Sauce Gardner, as opposed yeah. to Aiden Hutchinson and his own teammate. I, I think Aiden could go out and win 
defense rookie of the year on Sunday, personally. If he has a good performance, gets a sack or two. Oh, it would be iconic just, if he got a hold of Aaron Rodgers oh once, gosh. legally. Be, and got to yeah. the playoffs yeah. yeah yeah that would be absolutely huge um real quick i didn't want to talk uh just uh, the bounce back in general 230 total yards for the bears coming off the 570 that they allowed to the panthers really really nice response from the game plan standpoint um everybody was kind of nervous heading into this game wondering what justin fields could do he did do i mean he did get 132 rushing yards um of their 200 but just 30 passing yards for for their team it was just I don't know how that happened when they had 75 himself, so I don't know what's up with that. Um, but it doesn't matter. They held him to three <laughs> three of 13 on, on third down. The Lions had 26 first downs to the Bears' nine, which was awesome. 70 plays to 50. They just controlled the game. Time of possession, 35-43 to 24-17. And then obviously the two takeaways to the zero turnovers. Uh, just a, a really dominant performance, which was Really, really nice to see because I think we all had a little nerves heading in. I mean, yeah, we should go in and beat the Bears, no no question. Um, but with everything that, that's been going on, it's like you never know. You never know what these teams are going to do. And with Justin Fields starting and wondering what, what that was going to turn out to be, um, really, really um, nice and really exciting that we can move into Week 18 with something to play for for hopefully right um so yeah. the gate week 18 game got flexed into sunday night football at green bay are you guys happy with the flex to, to the sunday night football yeah um do you f- yeah yeah okay big time on one hand i really like it on the other i i don't like how we're going to know potentially know our fate before the game because seahawks is the four o'clock start i feel like you had an opportunity to put both these games in the four o'clock slot that's kind of why they they told us that they would use the flex um available like you know what i mean so teams aren't scoreboard watching or a game's not important because of a game that happened earlier so i'm a little disappointed with that um but anytime you can put your team on on sunday night football that's always really exciting and we talked about it heading into the season kind of got the short end of the stick with no national televised games well now you have one and that's pretty cool and i'm telling you what this is an opportunity to sign sign us up for a few next year because I think the Detroit Lions are becoming a very fun team to watch and I think the nas- nationally teams are going to start understanding that um, but I just whether they have something major to play for or they can sit there and play spoiler I am really excited for this this opportunity what what I really look at this as is they could be the team that puts the final nail in the coffin of the Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers. I, and I, I might be wrong, and they come back next year and, and have a very good year. That's very well possible. But it feels different. It feels like it is coming to an end. It feels like the window is about closed on them. And I feel like the Lions have this chance to be the team to kind of put the league out of the misery of the Packers' worry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the 49ers don't have to worry about playing Aaron Rodgers because the Lions – Put a put a stake in them. You know what I mean. I love that opportunity. It's going to be really tough. Like I'm not going to say we're going to go and win this game. Just I'm really excited for the opportunity to play spoiler or to go in and and you know earn your way in the playoffs. It's a great great chance here. Um, and I don't know. It, I think this year, and I don't want to put a bow on this season yet. But we're going to do this next week, obviously. But this one is also. Like I said, nail in the coffin of, of the Packers and, and Rodgers, but also it is a nail in the coffin of same old Lions. This is an opportunity, and I'm not saying if they lose this game, it is a same old Lions-type loss. I'm not going there. This is a different team. It is done, in my opinion. 
And this is the opportunity to put everybody on notice and say, we're different. And everybody's watching. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. What are your thoughts heading into this game? Going to be tough. They're not going to say we're going to go in and walk, win this game. That would be kind of stupid to say that, right? Outside of the fan perspective. Was Green Bay just like a four-and-a-half point favorite? Four-and-a-half, I think, yeah. Detroit hasn't been in a game like that this year? Come on. It's one possession game. I mean, you say it, right? Could home, be. home field is three points. Lambo might be one of those exceptions where it's like maybe more four. Yeah, I mean, Five, this is, we're talking six. about a pick 'em. Yeah. yeah, almost. Yeah, I, I think the lines match up. They're getting respect well too. Yeah. Um, the run defense is obviously going to be very important. I think we shut down their run def- or their run game. Um, I don't remember the stats, but I think that AJ Dillon led with eight carries for like twenty-one yards. Aaron Jones had like thirty yards or something like that. Like. I'm, I'm, I don't. It was what they did was impressive in that game. They're gonna have to do it again, and it seems like the Packers seem to figure something out. They're rolling, but I also don't want to get blinded by. They haven't beat really good teams. Yeah, what they did against the Vikings is impressive, but I mean it's the Vikings. The like, Vikings they did the same have thing. a they have a nineteen negative nineteen point differential on the season. Unreal, with, with really. Twelve is. wins or thirteen wins now. Twelve. I mean, that's what the Lions just did to the Vikings recently. I mean, yeah, they gave no, them, they gave them more yeah. points, but it was a uh, we had the game in hand early. It's going to be interesting, right? Detroit's first primetime game, I guess, outside of Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, I love it. Yeah. Well, so who, who, the, who the Packers have beat on their win streak is the Vikings, the Dolphins, the Rams, without Tua, and the Bears without Stafford. Well, it was Tua. Tua did play. Oh, well, that he got was, hurt, yeah, yeah. but he had like okay. f- he literally but handed he, that the game. Yeah. Yep. Um, after the injury, but this Packers team is different. Like we've been saying with the Lions, they're different. It feels different. It's a different team. We're not the same old Lions. Even Rodgers said this isn't the same old Lions. Finally, it gives them a little bit of credit. Piece of crap. Um, but he's pulling a Bill Belichick. This is also a different Packers team. This isn't a, the Aaron Rodgers MVP type season that we're worried about. This is. <laughs> We gotta stop the run. We gotta. We want. We want Aaron Rodgers to beat us, and that's a weird place to be at because that's a weird thing to want. You know what I mean? But I don't trust the wide receivers. I don't really trust the way he's playing the game, and I think we're a couple hits away from putting him in the coffin. Though here, and here I am talking about dead people on the football field. Sorry, I keep doing that. Man. But <laughs> it's a bad, it's a bad luck. I know it really is. <laughs> yeah, but you bad should, taste. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. get some attention, right? Awful take. <laughs> But <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> but you agree, right? No. Uh, I I think I think the primetime slot is great because the Lions got disrespected with a one o'clock start on every game this year, um, and they know that. And yeah. Dan Campbell can say all he wants that it's fine because it's consistent and they're on their, their routine and everything. And the team can play that underdog message for for you know long enough, I guess. But when when you earn it. It's got to feel good. It's got to get them pumped. It's got to f- at least start this game with the energy that we're gonna know they need. Yeah, and, and they, I I agree. I think the most important thing is to stop the running game of the Packers, especially early on, because if they get that, if they get that, rolling. If they yeah. get that, yeah, and that, that um, I don't know, just the physical. If they don't match the physicality of the Packers on the on the line early on, then watch out because that's when it feels like our our linebackers overcommit. That's when it feels like maybe we missed Deshaun Elliott even more. Um, I wonder if he's going to be back. I, I, I hope so. I, I hope think so he's kind of key, though, because yeah. he plays a physical brand. And actually, earlier this season, he he went one-on-one against uh, – Aaron Jones. Um, or, no, no, A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon. Yeah. 
And I, I turned to, to my son, and I was just like, that 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 <laughs> is a bold that. move because that's nobody does that. AJ Dillon he stood is, him right up. I think AJ Dillon scares me more than AJ Dillon is Aaron a, Jones. Me too. Well, like, I, well, in different ways. Yeah, but different like, ways. Just that the way that guy runs. Oh my gosh, I wanted him so bad for the Lions. I was so mad when the Packers took him. Second now round was early. Yeah, it was. But they're, they're used to taking weird draft picks. No, and I I think um, I think the Lions. I don't think they match up poorly against the Packers. I think this is going to be a competitive game because I do feel like they can get the pressure. I think our line right now, I mean, and, and you brought it up earlier, who are the guys the Lions are relying on right now? On offense, we're relying on, you know, Amon Radisson Brown's second year, uh, James Mitchell, rookie, you know, Brock Wright, young young tight end. Second year, right? Yeah, Shane Zelstra, same thing. Like, James Williams, rookie. Josh Reynolds, he's been around for a while. But, like, these aren't. We're relying on young players who have been getting better. Defense. We're talking about James Houston and, and Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah, another young player that we, Rodriguez. that we didn't talk about, and I think it's worth bringing up, I don't, and I, I don't remember seeing him much, is Jeffrey Okuda. And I've heard questionable, like, like he's losing snaps defensively. And I saw him on the punt coverage and all of these things. Like, are you concerned about what's going on with Okuda? Or is that just kind of like a the fact that we don't see it, it's actually a good thing he's playing really good corner? Like, what are your thoughts on Okuda? Sorry, just quick change there. But Well, I know he was hurt. He was playing hurt uh, and trying to get through, like, um, he had a concussion and stuff. He was in the protocol yep. a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, or maybe even three weeks ago. I'm I think not it sure. was heading into the, the Bills game on Thanksgiving because the short week didn't let him play in th- on but Thanksgiving. But he, he hasn't looked right since. And he was, he was the number one guy for a while. And now um, I think it's – it doesn't really matter to me because we've found guys to step in that are doing the job. Jerry Jacobs is, you know, he's an animal out there. He, he's not afraid of anyone. He might get beaten. He might get flagged every once in a while. Yeah. But he plays a tough brand of, of football. Yeah. Like he's ready to play. And then opposite him, I don't know, we've kind of been going by committee. I don't I don't mind how Hughes has been playing. I think he, whenever he comes in, he's been playing well. Yeah. Uh, Okuda can step in too. And then, I don't know, like if he's been playing uh, safety recently and – I don't know, mixed results there. Yeah. But in the past game, he, he definitely knows what he's doing. It's really just more about if he's going to beat get beat up phys- physically. So Yeah, it'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. we got to find a way to keep Christian Watson from, from beating us. Yeah, I think I mean, Okuda being healthy helps the team, though. I think him yeah. playing is a good sign. I think that was it for the Lions talk. You guys good with that, or you want to keep keep talking about him? Because I, I don't mind keep talking about him, but we'll, just, we'll have to move on. But we did get a comment from Carrie. She said, I don't like it. Max can't watch. And then, like I said, going to be a fun game, hopefully, for Lions fans. We were looking forward to this talk, Micah, just so we could have discussions about how good your defensive line is. That's the other key, offensive line of Lions against defensive line of Packers. Keep an eye on it. we gotta, we got to win that one. If it's craft beer in Michigan sports, we may not be the authority, but we love both like a fat kid loves cake. Hot, hot! This is State of My Sports. Before we get into negative, like I said, it's kind of negative here. I am, again, downplaying it. Um, NFL talk. Didn't want to talk about a little heading into week 18. Uh, weird weird thing happened last night. I don't know if you guys wa- were watching. I'm sure you've seen it by now. But uh, DeMar Hamlin uh, from the Bills kind of had a, a scary situation. Got hit into the heart, it looked like, and basically got up took a couple steps, and then fell right back on his head. Uh, they were giving him CPR on Monday Night Football. It was kind of uh, – you knew it was different right away. Um, the way that the f- the players were reacting, uh, the way that 
the cameras were not going anywhere near him, but they did tell us that they were giving him CPR. Uh, we learned this morning that he did, that they did get his heart back up and running on the field, so that was good. Um, but then they rushed him to the hospital, and he's still in critical condition, not breathing on his own is what it sounds like. Um, maybe something's happened since we we started, and we're not getting that up-to-date news. But um, I don't want to get too much into the, the injury. I know they, that's what all of national media is going to do. That's not what we like to do. We like to talk about the football side of it. And it's really weird because the, the Bills-Bengals game – has been suspended, obviously, uh, and won't resume this week. And it just throws a major wrench into everything heading into Week 18. And I, again, respect and pr- we're praying for Demar Hamlin. We want what's best for him. We want him to make it, um, but we also are going to move on to football because that's what the NFL is going to do as well, um, based on what what we're being told. But like this game, the Bengals Bills was going to be kind of eye opening here with with the f- first three seeds. Is is what this was going to set up um currently you have the the chiefs at the number one seed because you don't have a win for the chiefs who would or sorry for the bills who would jump them if they won um Bengals could still get that number one seed also with the fact that we don't know if they won this game now uh going to this ravens game which would have been for the division if they didn't win last night and now we don't know what any of this is and we don't with this weird game hanging there wondering if they're going to pick it up or if it's forfeited like all of these things it's kind of putting a uh i don't want to say damper because it's a human life or whatever but like it throws into so many questions of what games are actually really important um and you know what i mean like who's going to show up for what uh i don't know it's just kind of a throw throws things for for a loop here um i think what do you guys think about the afc so yeah sorry go ahead well yeah i, I think um what what's a clear obvious situation is the NFL did the right thing to not finish that game. There's no way you could go back out and play that game. I agree completely. Yep. It would it would have been it, yeah, I don't Unfair know. It, it would have been a mockery, yeah, of yep. the league really, in my yeah. opinion. So they did the right thing and obviously, yeah, prayers out to uh Demar Hamlin and his family and everything. Um I, I don't know. I I had I was sick to my stomach, and I'm sure the entire world that was watching was probably sick to their stomach and yeah. couldn't understand or like believe that what they were actually watching. Um, the fact that they had a crew doing CPR on the field in front of in front of teammates. a national broadcast, yeah, it was... in both teams. I think uh, what a it's it's also a reminder of like legitimate first responders that are on the field and a human life is in their hands. That's what I was thinking about his, him and his family. And then those first responders that are literally like, can you imagine performing for your job? And that's what you're performing for. Yeah. I mean, like to put things in perspective, it's like, okay, we can figure out the dumb week 18, 17 stuff later. Um, and how this is going to work out. Cause you're right. It does impact a lot of things up there at the top of the AFC. Um, but it really didn't matter, and they did the right thing. And yeah, yeah. I don't know, that's that's really all I've got for it. Yep. No, I, I do agree with that, and thanks for bringing that up because I didn't say that that it was the right call to do that to to call the game. I understand why they didn't want to play it today too. Um, just with the still wondering if he's gonna how how it's gonna unfold, I guess. Um, but John, were you were you watching the game when it happened? Or yeah, I mean it it's it, it's a once in a lifetime thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you, you're an you're an elder fan of sports to know of another person that's died on a professional arena. Yeah. Um, 
not saying that he has passed away, but that's where he was at. Mm -hmm. They had to bring him back to life. 24 years old. Yeah. What are we in our 30s? Yeah. Think of your life being cut short 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I just can't imagine like what his family is going through, what he's going through. Um, first responders, I personally thought the game should have been canceled faster. Um, there was like a moment of time there where it's a a business and it's not up to Joe Buck and Troy Eggman to make that call. It's not up to the PA announcer to make that call. I know that like a process has to involve those decisions being made. Yeah. Um, but just the looks on those players faces, like these players are accustomed to a guy blowing out his knee and maybe screaming like, Oh, I can't walk. Yeah. Um, a guy getting hit high and, you know, moving his limbs and giving a thumbs up. That didn't happen last night. And, uh, that's, that's where I, I know that football is what football is, but it's life, life and death at that point. And that's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just I I don't I don't know if we'll ever see that in a professional game again. Yeah, where the game comes to a stop, and that early on. Yep. Um, and it, it reminded me a lot of of a couple things. Obviously, I've been watching hockey since I was a kid. The first one that came to mind was was Chris Pronger. I don't know if you guys remember it. In the I want to say it was ninety eight. It might have been ninety seven playoffs. Yeah. Um, when the puck hit him like right on in the, the heart. Chest, yeah. And he was he had uh, he kind of went through the similar thing. I don't think it was as serious that they had to. Give him CPR and stuff on the on the ice. Um, they kept playing, and, and I'm not again. I'm just saying what, what happened. And I think he was playing a couple days later. So, like, but this is obviously a completely different situation in, in his current health. Um, it also reminded me of, of Yuri Fisher when he collapsed on on the bench. Yeah. Um, and that was when the Red Wings they decided to call the game. That was obviously more serious, life threatening in the moment. Um, but yeah, to see it in a football field when you know it's like a massively like just crazy violent sport um the head injuries obviously are, are a big talking point right now with everything so it's just kind of when you see that happen and really wondering if if this guy just died on the field like that's eye-opening for for a lot of people not only did in that game there it like it affected the whole league everybody just rethinks what they're going through what they're doing out there um because it could be could happen just like that. I mean, I I saw a couple of tweets that were saying like I've never refreshed Twitter so much in my life, and that's like that's the same thing I was doing. Yeah, I think was... I think the entire nation was just like I'm <laughs> pulling pulling for this guy and for yeah. his family, and like it was I don't know it it it's a just a, one of those reminders that it was just so unnatural, and and that's like part of the like the sickness is also just you know it's different when it doesn't just happen because of a hit. Like it was a fairly normal football play and then stood up and then went down. So it, like you could tell immediately that it was unnatural. It was just yeah. different, right? Yep, exactly. and, that's, and that's also what just makes it so scary right away because it's not like, oh, I wonder if this guy you know, has a concussion or something else that's also terrible, but, but it was just different. Mm-hmm. And it happened right on the field of play. You know, he did give it up, like you said. Had he, had he made it over to the sideline, and then something transpired. It may not have yeah. been what it was. Um, but it, for it to happen right there as they're cutting right, you know, away from the – panning away from the, the play with the, the camera, it's – Yeah. Man, it was uh, – I, I just couldn't – yeah, I, I couldn't believe what was going on. So it we'll was, see. We'll see how it impacts the AFC. Yeah. But 
I again, I think he was the obvious choice. And if a team suffers about missing out on a, on the number one overall seed because of this, sorry, <laughs> that's just what you're gonna have to deal yeah. with this yep. year, right? So I do, agree completely. Do you, do you just call it a tie? I, I so call that, it. So you're not setting any team further back. I from call each it a other? non-game. I just call it a non-game. Non-game. Yeah, they're just gonna have a different record. You can go by win percentage. I. I would say the Bills should forfeit the game personally. That's what I what I think should happen, and I know that might be unfair, but like that's the way, that's what came to my mind when I when I saw that they they were gonna start at least delaying the game and officially going through all of those things. I was like, all right, the Bills should be the one to be like, we're calling this game. You guys have the win type thing, and I'm sure the Bengals would be like, no, well let's let the league. T- like figure this thing out um but that's kind of where my mind went at least initially um i understand the non-game situation i understand the um calling it a tie i I would i don't know what to do um but i think you play week 18 let it play out and see what that game would have mattered maybe delay the playoffs an extra week have them play their own week 18 on like a friday or something like that or you know what i mean and then lay out all that delay the week maybe take the week off that you know how you, like between the Super Bowl, like before the Super Bowl, you usually have two weeks. Maybe use that as the buffer, delay the playoffs, and then give everybody a bye except for them to see how it plays out. If that makes sense, I want to see them play it personally. I think that would be, if it matters with the standings, I would rather them do that personally. But I want it to be next week if it it really affects the the standings because you see baseball do that with like rain outs and stuff obviously different situation but it's like all right this game's rained out we'll make it up on the last day of the year if we have to if it doesn't affect the standings we'll just not play it you know what i mean that's what i think they should do um but it seems like it's either way it's going to somehow affect the standings so um we'll see what they what they decide uh talking football again wild card you got the patriots so in the afc wild card here Patriots play the Bills, uh, Dolphins host the Jets, and the Steelers host the Browns. All three of those teams are 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, Currently, the, the Patriots uh, hold the tiebreakers over uh, Pittsburgh based on their head-to-head uh, win in the, and percentage, I guess. Uh, or just, sorry, the head-to-head win. Uh, the division tiebreak was initially used to eliminate Miami. Uh, New England wins that tiebreaker over Miami based on their best win percentage in division games. So Patriots win, they're in. Obviously playing the Bills it makes it a, a massive question mark of how they're going to respond uh, with all that. You got Dolphins, they play the Jets. Uh, if New England loses and the Dolphins win, Dolphins are in. Um, if both New England loses and the Dolphins lose and Pittsburgh wins against the, the Browns, the Steelers are in. Kind of cool that it comes down to three three games here, right? And we'll get into the the other side of the wild card here, but it's fun to see just that these games matter. And I think the extra playoff team that they added, I think it was last year was the first year adding the the extra wild card. Um, This is the reason why. Because you have a big old mess here, eight eight and eight teams, um, and let these teams go out and earn it. And I love that that this is what's working out for the NFL, um, that these games matter. Week 18 matters not only for – for number one seeds, division like winning divisions, but the very last wild card needs to be locked up too. Um, pretty cool. Who? Do, what do you guys see unfolding here with these three teams, and who do you expect to be in the wild card for the AFC? That final wild card spot, I should say. Man, I think Pittsburgh <laughs> has found something lately, and it's crazy to see them even at five hundred right now because I thought they were going to break their streak of being what great 
either 500 or greater than 500 so many years in a row. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, I don't think Mike Tomlin has had a losing season. Mm-hmm. That's it, yeah. yeah. He's never had a losing season. So he has a chance to do it again right here, and I, I honestly think they do. I think I think the Steelers end up holding this off. Dolphins collapse will continue, and they, they'll miss out, and it'll be pretty devastating for their franchise. And you think the Patriots will lose to the Bills as well? Yeah, I mean, I I think I think uh, oh, so then what does it come down to between the Dolphins and Patriots? Uh, if the Patriots win, they're in. If the Patriots win, they're in. But if they lose, then they have the tiebreak over over Miami. Then yeah, yeah. So I think Pittsburgh and New England are in. All right. Well, no, sorry. This is for one spot. Those three for one spot. Well, it says seven on there. Yeah, that's the last. Wild oh, card. sorry. I'm thinking eight. <laughs> I'll get oh, it. You, so you one, like one team it out for me and everything. One and team. Just, <laughs> <laughs> can you just explain this again? Let me. <laughs> one spot is available. You got the Patriots, Dolphins, and Steelers, uh, Steelers. all fighting for that final Steelers. spot. All right. <laughs> what about you, John? That'll be interesting as to what Buffalo does, right? Because they probably can't move in the standings. It all depends on without that game being played. Yeah. Um. So maybe somehow the Patriots could pull off a win, but I'm yeah I'm with Ryan on here. I'm I'm che- cheering for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, Kenny Pickett. I mean, I don't like the Steelers. I don't want it to happen, but I don't like the Patriots either. Well, I don't think any one of those teams is going to win an, an, another game in the playoffs. Yeah. A game in the playoffs. That's um, true. Yeah. Oh, unless, yeah. No chance. Unless somehow Tua is cleared to come back. The AFC is so top heavy; they're going to destroy just, whatever team gets in. I feel like Tua can't play the rest of the year. So that kind of handcuffs Miami. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater hasn't been very good either. Yeah, I think he might be hurt too. Dolph- so. Dolphins really should be the the team to make it, right? I agree. They should beat the they should take they care should of the Jets. They should beat the Jets. Yeah. I think they have the easiest opponent. Yeah. Um I agree. Do th- they don't have Tua though, right? No, it doesn't right. sound like he's gonna play. They're like game planning without Tua right now, not knowing if he's gonna play. I think they basically said he's not. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess that was the wording that they that yeah. they said. And then so. Teddy Bridgewater's out. Out because of oh, the hand Teddy's injury. out. Oh, I didn't know that. So they're they're <laughs> down to the third stream quarterback. And is that the uh, former XFL guy that beat the Lions last year? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever his name is, probably. <laughs> Sounds about right. No, but I mean, I I think they should take care of business against the Jets if they're. A, f- a full, well-rounded team, um, and they they own the tiebreaker of the Steelers. So I expect the Bills to win, and the Dolphins really should make it. But I just their collapse has been so bad. Yeah, it really has. Uh, moving to the NFC here, um, so you got the Eagles uh, still in the number one seed spot. San Francisco has officially jumped Minnesota for the number two. Uh, Minnesota three, Tampa Bay four. Officially has won the division at eight and eight. Uh, we'll see how they finish this this season. But then you got Dallas, who's the number one wild card at twelve and four, who's nipping on the, the heels of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I don't know all the tie breaking procedures. They didn't lay this out correctly or, or for us necessarily on if Eagles lose and Dallas wins, where does that tiebreaker go? I think it's for Dallas. Um but anyways you got the Eagles host, hosting the Giants who really have nothing to play for. They're solidified in the number two uh, wild card spot, so they have no reason to really um, show up. I think it's going to be one of those sit sit your guys, rest your guys type modes for the for the Giants. So the Eagles should lock up the number one seed. Um, Cowboys are are hoping that obviously the Eagles lose, but then they beat the Commanders to take over that that number one division spot. The other one will uh, 
will be the number one wild card, like I already said, and play the Buccaneers in the first round. So um, I think it's a win-win for, for Dallas and the Eagles to either get the bye or the bye by placing the Bucks, but or playing the Bucks. But I guess I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to play them either. But it feels like if you're going to play somebody, play the Bucks, right? Yeah, good luck again. I wouldn't um, want to. 49ers yeah. lock up the number two seed with a win against the Cardinals. Uh, Vikings can move up to the number two seed if the, uh, the 49ers lose and they beat the Bears. So keep an eye on all of those things. Uh, but really the, the focus is the number, uh, really the last remaining wild card right here, right? Because you got Dallas, as uh, let's just say they locked up the wild card five. Uh, Giants locked up number six. Currently you have Seattle sitting uh, at eight and eight along with the Lions and Green Bay all sitting at eight and eight here. Um, Seattle plays the Rams at four o'clock, and then the Lions-Packers play each other uh, for the Sunday night football. So it really is, uh, it, it gets kind of messy, but the Packers, if they win, they're in, basically is where we're at. Um, but if Seattle loses and the Lions win, the Lions get in. We all know it, right? Like it's it's kind of uh, crazy. If Lions lose, Packers are in. That's basically it, right? Yeah, that's the only thing that can happen. If the Lions lose, Packers are in. Yep. Packers are the only team here that control their own their destiny. Their own their destiny. Yep. That's a good way to say it. So I, I do think it's worth talking about though the the Rams have something to play for. <laughs> if they're gonna spoil any other team, the Seahawks are the perfect team to yeah, because for they them have, to do they have their pick? No, they don't. No, I'm just saying because they're division rivals and they and they That's, hate each other. Yeah, it's true. So yeah. they're they're a division rival. They're trying to prevent the Seahawks from going to the playoffs. And and anybody that wants to argue the whole like oh stick it to the Lions by losing and, and losing out on that good pick or or get wait. Yeah. I I don't even see the logic there because if if they if the Lions don't get in, then they get a a better draft pick. So, I don't know the, where I was going the way, with that. The way I look at it is I think the Rams have something to play for because they don't have their first round pick. So, they don't, they're don't. they not looking – they're not jockeying for position, like per se, for their own benefit outside of the second round pick if you want to get deep into it. But the biggest thing is Baker Mayfield is playing for a job, in my opinion. Not for the Rams. He's not trying to steal Matthew Stafford's job, in my opinion. But what he's looking for is an opportunity. He's played pretty well since he got there, and – I think if he can put up another good win and kind of get back into the good graces of the NFL, like he could find a starting job heading into next year. And I think that's why they want to win. I think that's why that this game is something to watch and is possible for the Rams to pull the upset. That's the only thing that really stands out to me. Cam, Cam Akers too, right? Cam Akers is started He's, to pick it up some the yeah. last couple of weeks. And, and he wants a new, he wants, he wants to contract. leave or a new contract. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, I guess where I was going with that, because I kind of want to clarify how dumb that sounded <laughs> earlier. But, like, you know, they, no matter, it, like, if the Rams win, they're sticking it to somebody, I guess. Because mm-hmm. they they get, it's like double for them. They want the motivation to beat the Seahawks because they hate the Seahawks. But then also, if they keep winning, the Lions get a worse pick, and we have their pick. Yeah. So, I, I there's no motivation at all for the, Lambs to, for the Rams to just throw this game. It doesn't even make sense. So, go Rams. Yes. Detroit Rams again. We are here. But it, it's kind of... All right, so I did put up together the Lions rooting guide for week 18. It's pretty simple. You want the Rams to beat the Seahawks and the Lions to beat the Packers. That's basically all you want, right? Um, but other things to keep an eye on if you want to get into the nitty-gritty of things. Um, if the Rams lose, 
they give they solidify the fifth overall pick from what I've I've heard. So that's a positive. Um, and if you want the Lions to do or to get an even better pick, cheer for the Broncos, Cardinals, and Colts to win, and then they'll the pick will potentially get even better based on all the great tiebreakers. So. Just keep an eye on those things. Uh, we obviously want the Rams to win for their playoff hopes. That's number one. That's the biggest thing. Um, but a Rams win would move the fit, the pick to the ninth overall pick, most most likely. Um, so cheer for the Vegas Panthers and the Falcons to all get wins. So when the Rams win, it doesn't really hurt the pick nearly as much. But I did come up with also the worst-case scenario because obviously that's – what we expect for Lions fans. Worst case scenario is the Rams win, ruins our pick, and then we go out and lose to the Packers, miss the playoffs, the pick is worse, and we that's just lose lose yeah, at that point. Let's lose, so lose. um it would be a stupid question to ask what's mo- what would we rather have a better pick or a shot at the playoffs, right? We want to go into Sunday night football with that chance. Period end of story. And put that risk at not getting in, but right, that, that's yeah. right. We're on the same page as that. For a Lions fan, you want them to make the playoffs, but it's a nice. Yeah, I wanted them to beat Carolina too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. and that, that didn't, didn't happen. That didn't go so, well. <laughs> so I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, but I I do want them to win. I don't want the Lions to take the, the foot off the pedal. Yeah, I, and I want nothing more to than to eliminate Aaron Rodgers from that playoff. That feels so good. Either well, way, that's my. I want. Yeah, that. so let's say Seahawks win, Lions win. They miss out on the playoffs. You're but a nine and eight football team. Nine and eight football team. Still got just, a great first round pick out of the deal. Yeah, and yep. you're gonna have a two solid, first round picks. Yeah, you're two gonna have second a second, a solid second first round pick. Yeah, and nine and, and eight two seconds. Yeah. So, it's fun. Who would have thought we were sitting at one and six? There's no way that we thought that we would have thought that this would come down to week eighteen. We actually have a chance. We have a reason to watch every single one of these football games for the first time in how long. I, I think we made the argument that they were not as bad as yeah. their record, but the ter- absolute turnaround to not just play better but to win all these games <laughs> is awesome. Man, it's just been a fun second half. Yeah, 7-2, and two, right, in the last nine? Yeah, 7-2. and two. I'll take that. I'll take that all day long. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. State of my sports. And betting hero picks. Yeah. Right? All right. Moving on. Just got to make one little edit there. <laughs> uh, I don't want to do this as much as you guys. I really don't. But we can't, I don't want to do this at all. We can't hide from it. So. I'd like to. Great this beer. <laughs> we could hide from it. Michigan played TCU Horn Frogs on New Year's Eve and lost fifty-one to forty-five. I'm just going to go through some of the numbers here to kind of start, and then we'll kind of just discuss. Right? Usually, I have like a nice little flow, but I just I just didn't have the energy to do it. Um, Yes, so 51-45, uh, TCU put up 488 total yards, 225 passing, 263 on the ground, uh, 7 yards per play. They had 19 first downs. They were 8 of 16 on third down. Uh, it was just, I mean, really, you look at the, the stats compared to, to Michigan. Michigan had 528 total yards, 342 passing, 186 rushing is respectable, 7 yards per play as well, 25 first downs. Uh, 
Big negative here was the 3 of 13 on third down and 0, of, 0 for 2 on, on fourth down. Uh, crucial, crucial moments there. And really the crucial, the crucial moments started really drive one. So let's kind of go through that. Drive one, first play, what was a 60-yard run for Edwards. They get down to the uh, one-yard line, right? The four, wasn't it, or something? Something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And they, I think it was fourth and fourth and goal from the two is what we were at. And I turned to Ryan and I turned to Mike because we were watching that. I'm like, "What do you guys do here, Ryan?" I think you said take the points. I did Micah said take the points? And I said go for it. I actually think Micah said go for it. Did he? Yep. Okay. I wanted him to go for it. I wanted them to go for it, and I I still think it's the right call to go for it, outside of hindsight. The play call. The play call is what drove me absolutely nuts. The play call was so the, bad. So, you, I, and it's kind of the story of, of this game is is questionable play calling and missed opportunities along with shooting yourselves in the foot. Obviously, look, TC went out. They did what they need to do. They beat Michigan. But that play call, you have an identity here with what Michigan is. You were you were going to show up. You talked the game that you were going to go out and play smash mouth football. No, it did not work out the way you wanted to. It was working in that drive. And then you get to this fourth down play, and Edwards, your best running back, is not even on the field, first of all. Why? I think that was also on third down, if I'm correct. If, if, if I, I don't remember the exact sequence of how it all went. Um, and they did that. They had to call timeout. Had time to figure this thing out, put up... And they did this. They they called a timeout. They called timeout because they had their their jumbo package on the field, short goal line situation, and they're two long yards out. Okay, right. So that was that was after the JJ scramble, right? Is that what it was? Yes. So they didn't get to the line of scrimmage right away either. And by the time they called in a play, there was like five minutes or five seconds left on the play clock. All right. So then they come out of the timeout and look confused as all get out. So they're obviously doing something goofy, and then they do the basically a, their version of the Philly special with the tight end coming around and throwing the ball. Why are we th- quarterback? Yeah, well, the tight end th- trying to throw to the quarterback end around to the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, um, double reverse. Just a terrible play call. And and if you are going and what that told me from that very beginning is you are you're going away from who you are. You're going away from what. You you said you were going to do and go in and show up in this game and 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 play. I guess you said we are going to dominate this game on the ground. Yeah, I I don't think they were, and I I get what you're saying outside of that big run. But at the same time, you have an identity that you need to stick with. The second you go away from your identity is when people stop believing in you, your players stop believing, and I think that was a crucial crucial moment by getting cute with their play call and and. I guess trying to just trick their way into getting these points instead of going and, and, and earning them. You know what I mean? Well, and, and look, the Philly special is fine as long as it's against the right defense. So and a three-three-five is not a defense that you do that against. Well, but you, you call out the defense. You force them to show their hand early. So if you get put a guy in motion and the defense reacts a certain way, then you know you have a man-to-man defense and that guy's going to be wide open on the backside. If you don't put him in motion, you don't know. So then they're sitting in zone and there's a there's a cornerback on a on a quarterback <laughs> and and your tight end is making the the final decision here. Like Micah sat there and like 
circled the guy that was wide open in the back left side of the of the end zone, but you're you have a a tight end who's under pressure trying to make that decision against a quarterback in a in a legitimate big time D1 cornerback. It's just you messed the play up. You got too cute and you didn't even have a checkout option. You didn't have the the plan two or three. You just went to plan A and said this is going to be sweet. We're going to trick him into this. And it's yeah. like, you didn't even set it up properly. Yeah. I just don't like taking the ball out of, first of all, Edwards needs to be on the field in that situation. We'll get into later on um, in this game, another situation that he was removed from the goal line place. And I, I don't get it, but why are we taking the ball out of JJ's hands? JJ can run. That's what I would rather see. We should be throwing to our tight ends not our tight ends to our quarterback, period, in this type of game. Not on the goal line. That's uh, There's too many bodies out there for your tight end to get any separation for the throw and your quarterback to get any separation for the catch. Yeah. I'd rather see Michigan lose out on that possession by getting stuffed on fourth and yep. two, running the ball up the middle. Not to Which mention exactly it was what an eight-yard loss where instead of being at the two-yard line, one-yard line that they're getting the ball, yeah. they get they already have space from their own end zone. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, is that what you're going to say? Well, more more so. That, so we had the long run. Donovan Edwards has the long run run early on. The reason he was taken out of the goal line touches is because he was only playing with his left hand, and they were worried about ball security, which is is funny now looking at, at what happened, yeah. but. Um, they they were not successful running the ball the whole drive except for that one run. So yeah. when were they successful in these in these situations so far in the game? It wasn't they weren't moving the ball at will. They were not winning the line of scrimmage at that point. They weren't pulling guards and doing all these creative things and putting the, the defense on their heels. That was not the time to do that. If you have the advantage, if you have like something that's actually shown to work or you have some sort of mismatch that you want to take advantage of, then go after it and do something like that or do the, the power set up with the tight end or fullback that you know goes to the flat. Sure, but but they hadn't set that up yet. That that wasn't working at that point. So you take the points when the points are available, live another day, get another drive of your offense out there so you can create the mismatches. The, the reason why you see easy plays work near the goal line when it just looks like the easiest touchdown ever is because of all the plays that led up to that. And you didn't even have enough to set that up. You yet. didn't you couldn't set up anything. You weren't successful moving the ball except for one play down the field at that point. And then, a, and then a JJ miracle scramble that got you down to the two. It was not the right time to be aggressive. You hadn't had a successful offense run at that point. I agree. I I was wrong to say go for it. I I would be okay with a different play call, and and miss out like you said. I would much rather I'd miss rather out on the points by sticking to what we do and getting stuck 100%. at the one two yes. yard line. Rather than the trickery that didn't go right. You lean on that offensive line all season long, and then you run that play, and you literally take your offensive line away because the ball is moving to the outside, and he's trying to make a play on the move. Mm -hmm. I'd rather give them the opportunity to go prove something right now, get those two yards, whatever you got to do to get to the end zone, and score a touchdown right now, then take that out of the offensive lineman's hands. Because that's what their identity that's is what sets all the, season. That's what sets the tone is yeah. when you win those little matches up front. Everybody's stacked in the box when Michigan got the ball on the two-yard line. Mm-hmm. There's no room with the end zone being right there. You, if you're if you're going to be throwing the ball, it's got to be J.J. Yep. It, Nobody else. It, feels, it almost feels like they the, the coordinators and the coaches had too much time. 
for preparation. Yep. And that's another thing that I can't wait for expansion to get rid of the 17 weeks between championship games and the real championship games. It's like games. they were waiting for that play call. They had yeah. a circle. They were like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then they call it and it, and it wasn't it wasn't it was an abomination is yeah. what it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. To not only not throw the ball or throw it away. Yeah, but that was take, you throw the ball away. Take the eight yard loss. But it was, was ill timed. It was just ill timed. But again, it's it's easy to look back and say, yeah, I wish they would have just kicked the field goal right there because who's who knows what would have happened. Yeah. Yep. Um. But again, if you're running that play, set it up. Put yeah. a guy in motion. See if it's it's man or zone. They were in zone coverage. Yeah, you can't the, even be successful. At the end of the day, our offense costed us a lot of points in yeah. one direction on that scoreboard. So that was seven points missed out. Let's just say seven or three. doesn't matter. I'll, I'll just change it to three points. Does that work? Missed out on three, maybe seven. Second drive. We, we stopped them on their drive, and then our second drive, we had the pick six. The first pick six. JJ, it's just a really good play. Te- I mean, I tell, know, telescope he, that throw. He, so, he stared down. I, I think Ronnie there was Bell a couple things time. with this with this throw. Ryan pointed one of them out out to me, but I think the first one was, I think JJ was late on the throw first of all, but I think what Ryan brought up. Do you remember what you brought up? Yeah, Ronnie Bell. He Ronnie tele- Bell telegraphed it. Telegraphed it, but you said he he was also lazy. He on was his a lazy route. route. It's a rounded yep. route. So it was like you combined a little late with the lazy route. That's what allowed them to make that play and take that back to take the seven nothing lead. Yeah, if he breaks out of that move, he's going to have a little more separation to at least potentially just bat that ball down you, if he's not going to catch it, yeah. if watch, it's not going to be a clear pick. You but, watch the eyes of the cornerback. You watch the eyes of the cornerback. He broke on the wide receiver route. He didn't break on J.J.'s motion. Right. He didn't watch. His eyes were on the receiver. It was not on the quarterback at all. He was opportunistic in his in his vision to see the ball because he jumped the route early. And that's a play that they probably saw in highlight reels while they've mm-hmm. been preparing for this game. Yeah. Yep. Um, kudos to the defense for making a big play. I thought that ball should have been thrown a little bit further outside yeah. in a way and, and allow for Ronnie Bell to maybe make a, a bigger play yeah. than an easy route. And it yeah, it was just how quick that tide turned. Yeah. But, but hats I mean hats off to the dude. Like you don't you don't break on a route that committed Unless you've done your homework, yep, or you're being reckless, and I, and I'm not going to say he was being reckless. I no, think I he don't did think he was either. Yeah, because it worked. Yep, and and so I think uh, you know that's that's why you run routes a certain way, though. It's it's to protect your quarterback. It's to it make sure that those those things that they can pick up on with the film, they can't. You, they can only pick up on if you if you do something way too early. Yep, uh, you lean on a tendency, you know. So I think the second pick six happened. Next, right? Like, this was later in the third quarter. The half was – I forget what the score was. I don't have – usually I have all that laid out. But anyways, it was – TCU was dominating the first half, and then Michigan responded early in the second half, and then I think we were getting some momentum, and then it was another pick six that J.J. threw. Um, that one was just a really good play, If I thought. I thought he jumped that route better. I, obviously, you put the pick six on the quarterback, but, man – it was just that one I thought was more impressive on the defensive side than than anything, um, unless you saw something different. But um, but then we'll, let's get into the next the next part where Michigan got a key interception and I don't again I don't remember the score or anything like that. Uh, just talking about the key moments here, uh, Michigan got the interception, and then very next play 
the very far pass. I forget it was like a 52-yard pass down to the <laughs> one-yard line, basically. Down to the, um, originally, they called the it a touchdown. Uh, it was obviously a touchdown. The fact that they overturned that to not being a touchdown still blows my mind. Um, I I was, yeah, I, n- I didn't get a clear response from the official that had any no the, evidence to yeah. turn that that call over he didn't he, i feel like he didn't have control 100% control of the ball until he was down on his rear end yeah. on the goal line it was obvious it was obviously a touchdown it was obvious and again he, he overturned it he That's said that he said there was undisputable evidence or indisputable evidence showing that he was at the half-yard line. It's like he touched the ball for the first time at the half-yard line, yeah. and it juggled around. Everybody in the stadium could see that. Mm-hmm. And, and plus, it was like the most obvious thing <laughs> in real time. Like, he caught it falling into the end zone. Yeah. But they call it back, half-yard line, and shouldn't be a problem. But this is where, again, they per- hand the ball off to Mullings. Yeah, personnel package right here. I don't want to just say it's because Edwards isn't in the game. I get that there's more to it. I still don't understand why your number one running back isn't. I don't know why you're using a converted linebacker to be this important piece in this game. Um, I don't know why he was in, in the Ohio State game. But anyways, he fumbled the ball, and they got the ball inside their end zone, touchback, that's another seven-point swing. Right there. And field possession. Yeah, because it <laughs> went from the half-yard line to... Now, I get it. Everybody that says, well, get in the end zone anyways. Get in the end zone anyways. I hate when people say that. Me too. Because you shouldn't have to get in the end zone again. Period. End of story. That's what replay is for. So you don't have to do things twice. You don't have to get... <laughs> you don't have to make up for a bad call. You shouldn't have to. So... I agree. It drives me crazy because there there shouldn't have been another play. That there play shouldn't have, shouldn't have, been, have happened. Had, not, yeah, there shouldn't have been an opportunity for something to go wrong. There shouldn't have been an opportunity for the offensive coordinator to call a dumb play, handing it off fast on a fullback dive. Why Why do we need a fullback dive at that point? Run J.J. McCarthy, You can push. just quarterback sneak it yes. up the middle, and you can push him through the end You can push him now. in now. Like That's the it most obvious thing. Do it four times. Yes. Because you're not going to lose yards doing that. Yep. So do it four times. <laughs> good, good luck 3-3-5. Three, three, I get that that is the same play that we've scored on time and time again. But that's also with Blake Corum. Um, and, like, that, like we've been in that situation, and it's you, we usually get it. So it's kind of like a when freak things happen, they yeah. just seem to happen. And I get all of those things. But it's just do it right. And I think, Ryan, you kind of already brought it up, is – they overthought this whole game. That's This is just offensive side of the ball. How many times were they blitzing on third and eight, and it absolutely killed this team? No, first. Blitzing on first and ten and second and eight. Well, also which is on third and like long, like they're opening up the game. Like You yeah. didn't need to blitz, in my opinion, based on what you're doing. You are the Big Ten against the Big 12, right? Big 12. You should never have to blitz to get pressure. You shouldn't have to do those things. You shouldn't have to get creative. You should have showed up and beat them because this, I'm, yeah, maybe Big Ten arrogance here. You are the Big Ten. 
you do you play your game and let them react. It was it felt like the exact opposite. It felt like Michigan was like, well, we have to game plan for this. We have to game plan for that. We have to get cute here. We have to get cute there. No, play football because that's what you are built to do. <clears throat> Big Ten is built to play football. Big Twelve is built to be cute and do these things that people aren't expecting. High flying offense, three three five defense. Make them make it work. We got some good comments coming in too. So, Carrie, thanks for the clarification. Micah did say take the points. Um, you were the one who said go for it, so shame on you. But good job, Micah. Uh, then Schoonmaker's Schoon guy in the end zone. Uh, I agree with this one. Micah has a good point here. Offensive line looked confused <laughs> throughout the game because of this three three five, and you saw the you yep. saw the line lining up against the the offensive line right, and they were lining up inside of the tackles. And for whatever reason, we had a really hard time matching up with the second layers, the the, the blitzing packages coming out of those three. Yep. So they, they did exactly what it's designed to do, stop the run on the inside. And for some reason, we got out of character and stopped pulling guards and stopped pulling centers. We just went straight up against them and tried to run straight down the middle instead of running off tackle. It's like we're one of the best zone or off tackle run teams in the nation, yep, and we didn't we didn't attack. It seemed like as soon as you know what this is actually reminding me of something else too. But as soon as we got down, our game plans turned into panic on offense and defense. And I remember, I remember um, um, who who's the the color guy? Who's the announcer? Uh, the Blackledge. Game? No, who the other guy then? The oh the play by play. Yeah, was it Clat? Sean yeah, McDonald. Yeah, Joel Clat. Joel no, Clat on Saturday <clears throat> or not on New Year's for the for Michigan. Yeah. I, th- I think he called the game. No, he didn't. It was McDonough and uh, oh my bad in Blackledge. Was that on ESPN? Yeah. Oh, um, I, yeah. Sorry about that. So, anyways, I I remember seeing Klatt's like preview of the game, and he had this thing where he's like, "Look, the only way I see TCU winning this game is if they get ahead early and they they force Michigan to play a game that they're not comfortable with playing because they're never in this situation. So what you need to do to beat Michigan is get them out of their game early. And that's exactly what we saw. It mm-hmm. seemed everything that we were watching was uncharacteristic. Yep. And it was. It was the blitzing. It was it was the timing of the blitzing. It was the it was the missed rotations on defense. Well, if you're blitzing all the time and Duggan is the guy that can move around and, and see the field a little bit like Man, you're setting yourselves up for a lot of missed assignments. Yeah. Now, I would disagree because I think Michigan dominated the football game outside of the few times that they shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, they were out of character. They they allowed big plays, big touchdown plays. What were the in the second half? They allowed 20 points in the in the third quarter. Michigan scored 24. Michigan outscored them what 50 or sorry, 39 to 30 in the, in the second half. Um, so that's not that crazy. Out in there was a pick six in there. Remember that? And then there was the, what was it, his 80-yard touchdown run or something like that, or pass yeah. from uh, Johnson, 76 yards. Like the big plays, that was that was a third and six or third and eight, I think, that we didn't need a blitz on, and they found a way to get around. But like, but what I'm saying is Michigan so, won this football game. But no, no, Outside of the pick sixes, the fumble, and a Stupid play call. But what Don't, is, I, I really what is Michigan's identity? What is their identity? Pound like the, the trenches. All right. So they they ran. They averaged their running backs averaged three yards per carry after the the first run of the game. 
Well, they ended with 186. They so. averaged three yards per carry. The running backs averaged three yards per carry after the first run of the game. Okay. They did not win the game on the ground. They did not win the trenches. They TCU was able to get them out of what Michigan does. And I get that Michigan moved the ball, but, but they also threw two pick sixes, which count. And they don't do that unless unless they're out of their game plan. Okay, that's that's a good point. I don't know. I just, that's the way I'm seeing the game. That that's like that was the heartbreaking thing. Is I'm looking, I'm watching the game, and yeah, Michigan put up a valiant effort with the comeback and the second half stuff. And like every time that they messed up and did something, you know, JJ and the whole they didn't get down. They were still they like going. coming back. They were fighting, yep. and I see the fight, and I appreciate it. I thought they were going to win the game at the end. I really did. I thought they were going to pull it off somehow, but. They, they, it wasn't the Michigan that we're used to seeing. It was panic, chaos, come back at all costs type of type of team, and that's TCU. That's not Michigan. Yeah, just frustrating. It's very frustrating. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, because if Michigan doesn't get back into the game and score some points, then it's real ugly. Yeah, we were looking at Georgia two point But to give up fourteen points, your offense give up fourteen points. That's pretty bad. You know, that's that's. 20 points now that they got to go out and score just to like make it feel like we got a chance yeah and first first three possessions inside the goal line when they had first and goal first three times they were in the goal situations they came out with three points total michigan's offense three possessions three points on those three possessions from first and goal and that's not michigan they dominate the red zone there you go right all year long um I went into the game knowing that Max Duggan had the potential to have one or two big key clutch plays in him. And that one was the touchdown pass to Quentin Johnson. Johnson. There were two guys. Michigan had two defenders in the backfield chasing him down. He was dang near close to getting sacked. Oh, the play was insane. And he made that throw without his feet. It was all arm. It was all instinct. And it just so happened to burn the, the secondary down the field. Um you know, you take that play away, and Michigan wins this game. Yeah, I mean, you take away a lot of these plays. A lot of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's just I even remember like what's his name, the uh, Mozzie Smith. Mozzie Smith when he had a free run at Duggan in the middle of the game, and it was like it was a cru- crucial third down play. And then he thought he was going to roll out, so he like stopped. He thought there was a screen coming, and Duggan didn't even know he was there. Like he yeah. had a free run to yeah. sack him, and they were just in their own heads. And then he made a play. And then going back to the offensive line, like the confusion that they were having. How many times did you see our offensive linemen blocking each other? I feel like I saw that constantly. Yeah, or holding one of them up, you know, from falling. It's just like, why are your hands on a teammate right now? It was unbelievable how confused they looked. And then our center, best center, I think he won the best offensive lineman in in the country, right? Yeah, he's amazing, yeah. And he had... Two false starts. Two false starts. How does a center false start? Like, that's weird. And then the last play of the game, which we didn't talk about yet, but the last play of the game that he, he snapped the ball way too early. Yeah. Um, caused the fumble, caused the chaos. Um, I was blown away how bad our offensive line looked. <laughs> that was really uh, a, a big part of it. And it wasn't just on the, the smash mouth running the ball. It was just... They looked out of sorts. They looked very confused. How many? I don't know how many total penalties they had, but it felt like a lot. It felt like at times TCU's defense was almost playing like a high tempo defense on us. You know, we're we're calling the plays, but yeah. it's just like, gosh, they got their substitutions in real crispy, and like then they got the full time pressure coming mm-hmm. up the middle, whether it's stopping the run or getting to the quarterback, and um, 
you know, but TCU's offense was definitely playing against a Michigan defense that had been on their heels a little bit. Yeah. You look at the two interceptions, they were both tip balls. That doesn't happen every day either. Yeah. You know, yeah. those guys weren't really that close to making a play on the yeah. throw. Um, it could have been a lot worse, right? There were also some non-calls that could have been against Michigan on some of those two. Yeah. Like, yeah. We were pretty grabby yeah. a little bit. Yeah, they, let them, they definitely let them play. Um, and we did get a reward, like – Roughing the passer, that was just a terrible oh, call. Oh, yeah. The one that, yeah. Those got happen. lucky on that. Those, yeah. those happen. It's the ones that are the replays where it's like, what what are you thinking? That, that just, yep. there's no, there's no, nothing good that can come from that. So then the last one that, that was interesting, at least to talk about the replay, was the final play of the game. They had the scramble in. I think, I forget who had ended up having to throw the ball. Was it Edwards? Ended up throwing it. Uh, and Loveland got hit in the head. Uh, game was over basically, and then all of a sudden they're reviewing something, and they were talking about potential targeting that would have kept this drive alive. Now I don't remember how much time was left. I think it was like 38 seconds. No timeouts. I get all of those things. It wouldn't have done anything. But to review that and say it wasn't targeting is very confusing. Now, do I like the targeting call? No, I'm okay with that not being called ever again personally. But by the book, that was targeting, and you reviewed it. And you didn't get it right. Again, I'm not saying that Michigan lost because of that. I'm saying it was another wrong call on replay. And it's very frustrating when you have this stupid replay and you still can't get it right. I don't know, what were you guys' thoughts on that that last play, I guess? I can't say anything different. I agree with you 100%. The clear definition of targeting. The guy launched. The guy used the crown of his helmet, and he hit a guy above the defensive, shoulder. Defensive player, too. That with was his, with his back, already down. With his back to him. Yeah. <laughs> hit, him hit him above the shoulders. Now, you can't tell me that he when he aimed to hit the, the – what was I think it was Loveland. Loveland, Colson yeah. Loveland, yeah. that he was aiming for his lower back or his hips yeah. or his shoulders. He was, he was out there hunting. And the fact that NCAA – doesn't have the integrity to stand behind the rule just goes to show that either a that referee didn't want to make a crucial call in a crucial moment of the game when tcu had had all the luck go their way already and he's from ohio um Mm -hmm. and ohio state still had to play yeah it it's embarrassing it is it's unacceptable it is and i don't I say that knowing that Michigan might have still had one more crack at something crazy mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah. And I think college football is better with Michigan advancing to the national championship game, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't I mean Michigan, it's not like we're saying that they deserve to win the game because of that call. But, right. But the call deserved to stand on its own. Yeah. And it was by definition targeting and it was very simple to see with the re- replay. And that player shouldn't play next week, you know? Like that's I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, you can't can't be out there this late in the season making those plays and not being punished. It almost feels like that's why they didn't make the call, in my opinion, is to not necessarily because of the the implications of the the current game, but like no, we don't want to do that to the kid and and have him sit out for an accidental targeting call or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm okay with that. Like all in all, like I think that's a stupid rule to sit somebody in the second half of the first game or of the next game, but like. It's yeah. a stupid rule in general. For for the most, it's it's executed incorrectly in my opinion. But it's like a judge, though you you're there to interpret the rules, right? 
that that's yeah. what they're there to do, and they didn't do it. And it might be because they're spineless. Might have been, <laughs> might have been an Ohio thing. And that's again, that's after that touchdown catch that didn't stand. Yeah, and that um, it just felt like on top of everything else. Yeah, that was the way it's going to end. So end. I guess in 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 hindsight, I was looking for a chance to like get one back from the officials that we didn't get earlier. Okay. Yeah. The game's over. We don't win. They they try to throw another hail mary or little. Yeah, I mean they could have worked their way down the field. I mean yeah, the clock does stop. Well, Re- and, and reverses and pitches and to, stuff. To Micah's point and his comment here too, like you know JJ actually outdueled the Heisman runner up. He did. Yeah. So the stats, I'll I'll say those and then finish your point. Max Duggan went uh, fourteen of twenty nine for two hundred twenty five yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. JJ twenty of thirty four, three forty three, two touchdowns and two obviously pick sixes. And, and I, I get that the interceptions were more impactful for JJ, but look at the numbers: twenty of thirty four for three forty three versus fourteen of twenty nine, under fifty percent completion percentage for two twenty five, and those were big plays where, the, where he got those yards. Like just you know falling apart kind of plays. It's not like Duggan was was moving the ball. That was JJ that was moving the ball all game long. So something like this, like you can, I could use that to say like you know looking for next year what JJ what we hope from him and all, all that. But really, when the game comes down to a few plays, who was the who was the guy who was stepping up to make those plays? in those kind of situations at the end of the game that we were seeing. It was J.J. that was moving the ball. Yeah, what were your overall thoughts outside of the pick six, or the two pick sixes? Like, J.J., like, I, I heard some callers call in and be like, oh, I knew we should have stuck with Cade. Like, oh, that's a dumb That is the that's dumbest dumb take I've ever heard. I think J.J., as a 19-year-old kid doing what he did, with his back against the wall early on, that this, this thing could have fallen apart very quickly, he put this team on his back and played some extremely good football. Not only running the ball, or not only passing the ball, but running the ball as well. He ended up with uh, 10 carries for 52 yards and a rushing touchdown. And he made some big-time plays. Big-time college football plays that should get fans excited for next year. Yeah, he had, what was it, like seven yards on that one carry, but he ran like 45 yards to get there. <laughs> you know, it's that, that number is a little bit skewed because I, I don't know, and I was I was hoping that they could utilize him on the feet a little more early in the game when Donovan Edwards wasn't getting yeah. any any more out of, you know, outside of that big play. Um, but he did throw the ball really well at times in the game. You eliminate that first pick six. That one kind of set the tone for TCU. That gave them a little bit of life that we were yeah. about to suck from their sales. Yeah. Um, you know, that I live with the second pick six. Yeah. I live with not a second, but the first of the game. Yeah. At that time in the game. Yep. Um, and still give them a chance to be, be in the ball game. I felt like it was just out of control from the start and out of reach. I know they were always there. It was cool to sit on the edge of the seat, but it was just good to see – JJ not completely lose his mind and you know you saw him handle fall off he into the distance it. yeah hang yeah. his head and get frustrated and um he took it on the chin at the yeah. end of the day and that's what you want to see out of a guy that you got another year I agree 100 percent and and really I I'll just go back to the beginning of the game because that's to, to me Michigan could have dictated how this game was played based on everything early on and if you get points early and then you don't have well even the pick six i don't know if that happens if you get the points early because now the game's just in a different yeah in a different place pounding the ball yeah well well, you could be i don't know but but even so like it's a difference of being two scores behind very early on um and this that's a coaching thing versus versus being either tied or up 
Yeah. Michigan could have been with the pick six, could have been up 10 to, should have been up 10, 10 to 7, just like that. Instead, they're down two scores. So I think we should talk a little bit about the aftermath uh, of the game and, and kind of what we're seeing here. You brought up coaching. Um, I think they should take take this one. I think uh, I think they were overprepared. I think they overthought it. I think they should have stuck to what, what they do best. But here we are again. We're hearing rumors of Jim Harbaugh already looking to go. Sorry. Well, yeah, I just want to point out one thing. TCU. TCU failed on the Big 12 championship game. They overthought it. They ran the ball twice to lose the game and not go to their best player, Max Duggan, and run it. And then what did they do? They learned from that, and every time they were on the goal line, they went straight to Duggan. Yep. He had two Michigan didn't didn't have that. Like they just had their learning experience right now. Mm-hmm. It just it's it's just a like flip flopped on the weeks. Yeah. Sorry, I just had, no, I just good. thought about that because like we just saw TCU go through this. Like they overthought it. You were saying yeah. that it's exactly what everybody was talking about TCU in the Big Twelve championship game. Yeah. And then and then they like kind of admitted it. Yeah. If we were to do it over again. We would have changed it up. Yep. Um, but I did want to talk a little bit about the Harbaugh stuff. Uh, here we are again, and and, and it feels. I just don't know what what to, what to do with this. But basically, uh, it started out early on when basically the Broncos said, "Hey, we are interested in, in Jim Harbaugh," or at least that was the report. Or Jim Harbaugh was interested in them. I don't remember exactly how it all went. Um, but now today, it was Panthers owner talks to Michigan's. Uh, Jim Harbaugh about head coaching job, not necessarily a formal, former, formal interview. But here we are again. I mean, he he already came out a couple weeks ago and said he's going to coach Michigan enthusiastically in, in 2023. Um, last year, after what he did with the Vikings, uh, he said that was his one, that was his last time, and he's here to stay. Now we're already getting these rumors. Where are you guys at with with the Jim Harbaugh to the NFL? Um, do you think it's just a smoke? smoke and mirrors here that somebody else is is playing here for Michigan or do you think that the, he still has a legitimate interest in the NFL and he's lying through his teeth a year ago and then a couple weeks ago like wh- where are you guys at with, with with all of this I mean I heard 20 mil a year in Denver 20 million a year Denver yeah they're owned by the Waltons yeah the richest owner in the NFL well then did they just sell or is that the family that just bought they bought oh okay yeah and then paid Russell Wilson. In the yeah. grand scheme of things, it's not very much money to what they bought the organization for. What was it like four point three billion or yeah, something? Yeah, like something that? like that. Um look, you go do that for two years and make forty million and maybe do something big with Russell Wilson, I don't know. But outside of that, I I just don't know that there's an opportunity out there right now for Jim Harbaugh that is appealing enough for, for him to make the jump. Yeah, I mean, I still don't think Denver's a great job. Uh, I don't think Carolina's a very good job. You just got rid of Christian McCaffrey. What do you have left there? You know, you're yeah. really rebuilding. And look what Matt Rule did in his limited time. Um, so, I, unless something else opens up and maybe quarterback shift around, I I don't foresee him making that jump. But I think the day is coming where there is going to be the opportunity for the right organization that makes the most amount of sense for him yeah. to leave Michigan. But I, I just want him to be there next year, let's face it. Yeah, I think Micah is fuming that he's not here today. We miss you today, Micah. Uh, he commented, Albert Breer started off seven days ago with Harbaugh to the Broncos, another OSU alum. So I guess Albert Breer Starting the rumors. started the rumors before the game even played. Um, and then just obviously it's continuing to, to roll here. Um, I've heard Colts 
And I've also heard a report that if he gets offered a job, he's he's good and gone. Like he's ready to take the job no matter what. I did hear that now, too. I don't know if that. I don't know. And and obviously, depending on the money, if the Broncos are paying you twenty million, take it and run. Like I get a, I get it, because some they're gonna have to pay somebody a lot of money to take over what is lingering there because it is not a pretty picture with Russell Wilson without draft picks and all the and all that stuff. But um, Colts are another interesting one. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of this being a conversation. I wish him and his people would come out and say, yeah or no, basically. I want it to be done. I obviously want him back. I think he's a very good coach. He's got this thing run. Like, he's got this thing polished. They are in reload mode more than anything. They're doing that through the transfer portal. Next year, I think, is another opportunity um, to have another good year. Um, but, I don't know. Where are you at, Ryan? Do you care at this point? I... I just don't buy into any of it. I don't know. I I do think he's interested in the NFL. We saw that last year. And I think at the time when he said the comment about definitely coaching again in 2023, I personally think that was his way of being like, we're going to play in the national championship game. And, <laughs> like, I, I don't know if – I mean, I think, he, I think he's really locked into this team with J.J. McCarthy. That's kind of his guy and – his team and this group of young players that are seem to be, you know, kind of leading the Wolverines too. Yeah, I agree. I think he's kind of locked into all their careers, but you know, he's got a lot of ties to a few of these organizations, especially the Colts, I would say. Um, if the Colts become a little bit more appealing to him, and I know the Broncos have that connection too, but mm-hmm. I think the Colts probably have him more with him being as part of their, like, um, basically the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, yeah, the Ring of Honor, I think they call yeah. it. So, um, I think he'll end up in the NFL. I don't think it's next year or this year, but at the same time, you know, is his stock ever going to be higher? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he took a pay cut, right, at Michigan. So if he's got an opportunity to go make that back up and then some. I think he got – I think he gets $10 a year when he hits his incentives, which I think he got this year. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure his incentives are pretty pretty hefty too. But – Yeah. He doesn't need money. Does he wait for Sean Payton? Does he wait for Sean Payton to make a move and reset the the market for yeah. the coaches? Maybe. Um, if if money is his issue, yeah. then why would he rush into a job? The, the way I'm feeling it out. The way I'm looking at it is, if these rumors continue, like I think he wants out. I think he wants to go to the NFL. I th- and I don't necessarily think it's anything against Michigan. It's not that he want doesn't want to be Michigan's head coach and, and win a national title and all of those things. Um, I think he's probably at a point where it's this is the most difficult it's ever been to be a, a college football coach. You have NIL, you're dealing with recruiting, you're dealing with recruiting your current players, you're dealing with recruiting transfers. Like, you need to do all of these things. And this, it's way different, and it's way more difficult than I think any of these guys really want it to be. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah, I think his his stock is sky high. Um, highest that it will probably ever be. As soon as there's expansion, it'll probably go down because he'll be losing in the playoff probably every year unless you end up getting, you know what I mean? Like, it it feels like it's that. But I also agree with Ryan where it's like, this is his team. This feels like his last time through it, in in my opinion. I think he's going to come back one more year, and I think we're going to go through it again, and I think he's going to move on is what I think is going to happen. And then draft JJ. (laughs) Yeah, maybe draft JJ and kind of start all. Like, I feel like he's tied to JJ, and when JJ's done is when he will be done at Michigan. In Donovan Edwards, yeah. Yeah, in Donovan Edwards. Yeah, it feels like it, right? These are his last. And when you're a coach, 
you get really connected to certain teams. And when they're moving on, that's when you're like, like you start understanding, all right, they were actually the ones running this program, like Ryan said. I'm not the one doing it. And now I have to find the next guys to do it. And that's where it gets really hard is finding the next group to go. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think he's ever going to be a Nick Saban that it's his way or the highway. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, probably not very fun to play for. Kind of a jerk. Like, you never get that full-on uh, coach-player connection. I don't I don't think he has that with his players just from an outsider's perspective. But I feel like Harbaugh is, has changed that over the last five years, really. Early on, it seemed like he was trying to have that standoff relationship, and it hurt him. And now I feel like he's really bought in and is connected to this specific group, and I could see him being like, this is the one that I want to go out with, and we want to do it on a high note with a national championship, um, at least another shot at it next year. And it could have been this year. I feel like this is the year that they – it feels like such a missed opportunity to me. Yeah, and so he's probably dealing with a lot of emotions about that, just like you know the tug of war inside. But there's the decision – will most likely come down to all the things that we don't think about or that we're not exposed to on a daily basis because your daily life and how you have to live and you're talking about like NIL stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. But if you, if you don't even get the support from the university to play the NIL game, then do you think you can compete long-term in that arena? And he probably doesn't think so with Michigan's stance on NIL. They're not doing the same thing as other universities. Yeah. They, They lost two captains this year. To yeah. transfer. Yeah. Two captains in their best year, 13-0 start to their season, <laughs> which has never been done before, and their two captains Transfer. are transferring. Big Ten team. Yeah. like <laughs> it, It's insane to think about. And, and if you're a, a college coach, is that the atmosphere? Is that the, the arena that you're going to want to play in long term? No, probably not. You probably really love X's and O's and football, and he's established himself in the NFL. All those NFL franchises would take him, any, any one of them. And that's his way of getting back to something that looks more like football. Yep, I agree. So I guess we'll just put a bow on, on the season and ugh, feel yeah. like we missed out. Micah, we need your picks, buddy. Text me. Text me your picks. Hurry up. From the Red Wings to Michigan State, we're talking about it. This is State of My Sports. Instead of texting the picks, he should just comment as well, then we're reading them sitting off. Sitting there, yeah. We'll just let you him think know. You can do that. Yeah, Micah, just comment as. Oh, are they going to come in a little bit late? I don't know. I don't know how quickly they come up. I guess we could try that. Or just text. Do either one. Yeah, either one works for me. Um, but we're getting into our betting hero segment. Actually, betting you know what? Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Promo about code MI bets. Well, do you want him to know your picks before you do? No, I actually don't want him to put his picks in. Don't worry about it, Micah. Well, he needs to. Oh, because you want him just not get any yeah. credit. Yeah, I'm gonna win. I mean, this is this is crazy. Is that how I got set back on overall points? It might be. Did yeah. I miss some time here recently? I thought I had already 60 wins. Yeah, you're gonna have to talk oh, to Sam about geez, that one. He did text me the picks. Sorry. Calling him out. Can you can you explain bettinghero.com real quick while I write these down so we got it? I've never been on bettinghero.com. <laughs> Promo else? code. Just say that. <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, they, it's a sports betting platform. And uh, so they don't do their own picks themselves, but they just kind of give you the best uh, promo codes available from all the other betting platforms all in one place. Go to bettinghero.com, promo code MIBETS. Perfect. It. Well done. We got we got some – oh, wait. Nope, nope. <laughs> For once, we're doing college first. Of course, I screwed that up. 
All right, we got some. We got some national championship. Yeah, we, first of all, I want to go through what happened last week. Micah three and five. Ryan three and five. I went four and four. John went five and three. Kyle went three and four. Micah, Ryan, and John are tied up. I didn't write. I wrote the wrong number for John. Okay, that's that was the reason. Yep. Micah, overall sixty-eight and fifty-eight. Ryan, sixty-eight and fifty-eight. John, sixty-eight and fifty-eight. I'm behind you guys at sixty-four and sixty-two, and Kyle is sixty-one Good. and sixty-four. We got a three-way All right. tie. All right, three-way tie. Wow. For the picks, you guys want to know Micah's picks before you make yours? Uh, so, staying on theme. John had the better week. So he goes first. So he goes first. Okay. I'll tell you Kyle's first. Right? Right? That's what we've been doing. Yeah, yeah, that's what we'll do. All right. National championship (laughs) game. This is next week, Monday. Uh, TCU versus Georgia. Georgia minus 13. You want me to Kyle's pick first? Yeah, go for it. Kyle is taking TCU. To cover. Gosh. Is it going to stay at 13? Mm, No. I bet you it's going to go down to about 11. That's my guess, anyways. Man, is that going to be that close? Um, give me Georgia. All right, Ryan, do you want to know Micah's pick? Yeah. Micah's taking TCU. I, I got to go with Georgia on this one, too. I feel like Georgia's just a better version of Michigan. And they won't shoot themselves in the foot. And they and they got they got whatever game plan they could out of Michigan's game of either what to do or what not to do. I don't know. Mike basically just said it's just too many points in a national championship, and I don't disagree with that. Yeah, it could be a field goal, you know. Yeah, but I'm I'm gonna go with Georgia just because I agree. I think they're a Michigan team that's not gonna shoot themselves in the foot and, and hurt themselves basically. And so. they're done that. Moving on to the NFL Week 18. You got Saturday Night Football. Titans at the Jags. Jags minus six and a half. This is for the division. Kyle is taking the Titans. John, what are you going to do? I feel like the last few times I've taken the Titans, they've screwed me over. <laughs> and I don't know. Who is their quarterback this week? Dobbs? Maybe, I think, yeah. Yeah, because Malik, not Malik Willis. Ryan Tannehill is out. It's Dobbs, I think. Is Derrick yeah, Henry going to play? They I believe so, yeah. benched him last week. What's the Jags' run defense like? Gosh. <laughs> uh, you don't like going before them, do you? No, and I, I don't like a Saturday night game. Um, Titans at Jags. Is that like a... Uh, it's for the division. For the division. I don't know. Give I'll go with the coaching matchup. Give me Doug... Is it Williams? Doug Peterson. 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 Give me the Jags. the Jags. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence. Ryan, do you want to know Micah's? No, I'm taking Jags. Jags? Micah is taking the Jags as well. I'm going to take Titans. Just because, I don't know, close game, why not? You got to catch up. Moving on (laughs) to the Jets at the Dolphins. It is a pick 'em. The Dolphins need a win and a Patriots loss for the wild card. Kyle's taking the Dolphins. Micah's taking the Dolphins. John, what are you going to do? I'm going to take the Jets. I'm going to take the Jets. Jets to win. I'm taking Dolphins. I think they'll, they just have enough playmakers to, to I don't know, win the game at home. 
Yeah, I'm going to take the Dolphins. I think the Jets looked awful, and I'm not happy with them right now because I wanted them to beat Same. Seattle. I'm <laughs> Same. very, very angry with them. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> they can't score right now. So for that, I'm picking against you. I'm, a, I'm the only one to go with the Jets. Yeah, that's that may be a game. Might be a good thing. There might be a winning pick right there. Probably not. <laughs> Patriots at the Bills. Bills minus seven and a half. And the if the Patriots win, the Patriots win the final wild card spot. Kyle is taking the Bills. John. Yikes! With everything they've gone through, just here in the last 24 hours, it's uh, it's a tall task. It's a home game. City's going to come out. I think Mac Jones is going to struggle. Give me the Bills. Micah is taking. Ryan, do you want to know? Yeah. The Bills. Man, um, I agree. I feel like this is the Bills. They're going to be. They're going to be doing this for more than just whatever this game means. So. Um, weather's going to be cold. It kind of favors both teams, but Bill's at home. I'm taking Patriots. <laughs> I'm taking the Patriots as well. <laughs> um, that was a toss-up game for me in my head. <laughs> I think the seven and a half, the hook is the difference there. I don't see them dominating the game. I don't see the the Patriots doing a no-show. So as much as I'd like to see them do a no-show. Um, but yeah, I'm taking Patriots plus seven and a half. Uh, moving on, you got the Browns at the Steelers. Steelers minus three. If the Steelers win, Dolphins lose, and Patriots lose, they win the wild card. You guys are both taking the Steelers. You already said, right? Yeah, I'm taking Steelers. John, is that true? Because yeah. Kyle's taking the Steelers. Yeah, I just I don't trust Deshaun Watson this late in the season with their season out of hand. So yeah, give me this. Steelers. Everyone's taking the Steelers except for me. I'm taking the Browns. I don't buy into the Steelers. I also know that the Browns are in the same situation as the Rams, kind of, where they don't have their first overall pick or first round pick, so they don't care. And I think they're looking to do some damage that front against a bad offensive line for the Steelers. So the rest, the rest of us are taking the Steelers there. I'm taking the Browns. And you're taking the Browns. Yeah, man. Next, Rams at the Seahawks. Seahawks minus six and a half. Kyle taking the Detroit Rams. I don't know if he was going to do outright win or just the spread, but it doesn't matter because we do spread. But I'm going to tell you right now I'm taking the Rams. Rams are going to win this game outright. Wish Period. thinking. Yep, but it's going to happen. I'll tell you guys my pick. I don't care. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting. That's you what guys want to know Micahs? Like, yeah, I just feel I like. I can tell him Micahs. All right. He's not here to tell me I, uh, I broke the rules. Micahs taking the Seahawks. Oh, I just feel like that's still a tough place to play. But it's turf. Baker Mayfield's got something to play for. I don't think they're going to win outright, but I think they'll cover it. Give me the Rams. I'm going with the Rams, too. Nice. Win? I got the Rams winning this one, but I covering for sure. All right. Sunday night football. Well, we know who Mike is picking, right? Prime time. This is exciting. This is really, really exciting. You Mike know what, uh, commented. He said, you broke the rules. Oh, shoot. So he is here. Rewind. <laughs> All right. Lions at the Packers on the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Packers minus four and a half. 
Kyle's taking the Lions. I'm not going to tell you who Mike is taking. Mike is taking the Packers. John, who do you got? <laughs> Common sense tells me to take the Packers here. But I drink that Kool-Aid all day long, baby. Give me the Lions. Love it. Dang it. I love it. I love it. Take the Lions to win outright, baby. Lions in the playoffs. I got to go Lions, too. I'm not going to break my fandom here. I've gone with the Lions every pick for like like 10 straight weeks. I think I've done it for 18 straight, (laughs) 17 straight weeks. Even the bye week, I knew they would win. Um, I'm taking the Lions. You guys want to know what Mike is taking? Packers. He said he is taking the Lions to win outright. Dang, what? I, I got to scribble that out, Micah? Are you serious? I should have I should have picked the Packers. Dang Some it. Separation He's on taking the, the Lions. Holy yep. cow. He I did not say out, win outright, but he, sure. did, he did take the Lions. Oh, so the Packers are going to win by one? He texted. No, this is. I'm going to read his text verbatim here. I'm taking the Lions over the Packers, plus four and a half. They will also beat the Packers. Aaron Rodgers will retire, and Packers will move on to Jordan Love and never make the playoffs again. <laughs> man, I didn't know he had oh, such man. hot. I didn't know he had such hot takes. Actually the the re- that's actually the reason I did not keep Christian Watson on my fantasy team <laughs> in my keeper league because I don't trust long-term value there. Yeah. Well, Taron Rodgers is gone. Yeah. Did we just – we have like one game that's different. <laughs> is that it? It's not over after this week. You guys know that, right? Oh, really? Yeah, we're doing playoffs. Oh, okay. well, then never mind. <laughs> I thought this was the last week. Same here. National championship last week of yeah. regular <laughs> season football. But. Yeah. I. All right. Well, I'm not too worried about this then. Perfect. Where is it? We got two different ones. Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. <laughs> You're listening to State of My Sports. I just, I love how Micah is so confident in the and Lions. I know, right? In their future and what they're building. I, yeah. I, he's finally using common sense. He also said if Max wants to become a Lions fan, he would understand completely. Yeah, that's that's I just the right, out, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, I left that out. I uh, didn't want to put that in anybody's head. <laughs> um, but, yeah. That's a great father thing to do. I know. Super yeah. nice of him, right? Give him the choice. Yeah. Yeah, all of his friends, all of his well, friends, I mean, the, right, are, are Lions fans. The Packers, their time's done. This is the Lions' time. Mm. The Lions are going to go through what the Packers, like, did in Micah's lifetime. It's going to be the Lions. Like the Li- the Packers are the the new Lions. They're going to be screwed over by the refs constantly. They're going to. What what do we got here? Poor Ryan. Mike is thinking that I didn't AJ like AJ Dillon. No, what was dumb is you could have had him in the fourth round. That so that I was it a good person, a player to pick up? Yeah. You wasted a second round pick on him after you just threw away your first round pick on Jordan Love. Don't talk to me about that, Micah. I know what I said. It wasn't the right pick. Second but round. You could have gotten him the fourth. Yeah. Anyways. What are we drinking? From Storm Cloud Brewing Company in Frank Frankfurt. Frankfurt? Frankfurt, Michigan? Frankfurt. Um Rainmaker Ale. 
uh, well-balanced, medium-bodied. They describe it as the beer that started it all. Our flagship pale ale was handcrafted over years of homebrew basement experiments. Rainmaker is well-balanced, medium-bodied, easy-drinking ale. Take the day off. There's a 100% chance of rain. What do you think of this Belgian style? It's a good beer. Yeah? Yeah, solid. Belgian-inspired. Solid. Just enough flavor, smooth enough, not too heavy. Yeah, I think th- I think they did a good job with the the Belgian style there too. Like it, it's a good quality beer. Let's give it some grades. I go uh, seven eight. I was up there too. I'm gonna go eight one. Yeah, good one. I'm gonna go with a seven six. <laughs> did you did you grade this one already? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think so. Oh, okay. Maybe we'll just not. go with that. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, we got through the b- disaster of the Michigan game. We well, just a disappointment on the season. You yeah. Know? I Disappointing think, season overall. I think that layoff between the Big Ten championship game and playoffs, um, and I guess in respect to the uh, Big Twelve championship game and the playoffs. A uh, favorite TCU, right? A one-loss team maybe had a little they bit. Had that of, bad taste. Yeah, a little bit less to play for, but more to prove. Yeah, and just disappointing to see Michigan go out like this. You know, yeah. I, I I will be honest too. I mean, I I knew it was going to be a, a closer game. I knew TCU had an opportunity to win this game, but I went in looking past this game yeah i did too i was looking at georgia ohio state mm-hmm. i thought that was the game to watch i didn't watch it <laughs> yeah and uh it looked like it was a good game but i was looking past tcu and maybe this is the punishment i deserve for doing so I, props, I'm right there with you. props to them max duggan's a baller now nah, he's not gonna w- obviously win a heisman he's not gonna be a number one draft pick yeah he might find a backup role somewhere it wouldn't be a bad six-round pick for the Lions. And, but he he's just like a gamer. He's a dog in a way, yeah. I guess. Um, so good for him. He's a bleeder. And uh, I guess, yeah, I, I'm taking Georgia to win, but maybe I'll be rooting a little bit for TCU. I don't like to root for the teams yeah. that Michigan loses to. I honestly don't know if I'll even watch. I, I probably I'm, won't. I probably won't pay attention either, honestly. When is the game this weekend? Monday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, I don't even want to get into yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Don't want to get into it. That was episode 187. Yeah, 187. Thank you guys for recording tonight. Thank you all for watching, listening, sharing. We'll talk to you next week, if not sooner. Bye. You've been listening to State of My Sports. From the Red Wings to the Lions to the Tigers to the Pistons to Michigan and Michigan State and everything in between, we're talking about it. And don't forget the beer. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch at State of My Sports with an M-I. We'll see you next time.